This week on the Midnight Train, we discuss everything Christmas is. It's so cool. No, so stick no, around. Je- Je- Jeff, Jeff. What? No, 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 no. It, this it's week- about Santa Claus n- n- going down the chimney no. and banging your mom and leaving presents. No, no. Yes. No, that's not. It's about Hanukkah? N- no. One time my brother, he played Hanukkah. Uh-huh. For Halloween, yeah, and everybody made fun of him. That's not what we're talking about. That's it. Yeah, so in, cool. In fact, this week it's our Christmas episode, and we're going to dive into some pretty horrible Christmas disasters because, well, why not? Listener discretion is always advised. All aboard the midnight train. So cool. The worms crawl out. The worms play pinochle on your snout. They eat your eyes. They eat your nose. Hello, passengers, and welcome to the Midnight Train Podcast, where we bring the dark to light. We make fun of and joke about creepy stuff while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. And yes, we are a comedy podcast, and stuff can get pretty dark. So if you're not into that, listen, we get it. No hard feelings. It's fine. Give us a shot. See if you like it. But if you are into it, well, thanks for being just as twisted and fucked up as we are, right? I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer, and with me is Logan and Jeff Butchko. Hey. He's Logan Butchko. Yes, I am Logan Butchko, and I am the significant other to the uh, ever-loving Jeff Butchko. You're my uh, bastard adopted brother. Yes. Who happens to be a redhead. Right, because my mom... Got knocked up by the mailman. Is this what you guys do when I'm not around? How was the yes. milkman? We, we come up with scenarios. Weird backstories. Yeah. Yeah. Scenario. Well, listen, this is our, our Christmas episode. <gasps> Merry Christmas, motherfucker. Because yes. Christmas is coming up here this weekend or whenever you're listening to this. It should yes. be coming up right after this of 2021. I hate oh. this holiday. I know it sucks. And we, we'll get into that in the bonus. Yes. <laughs> on the bonus. Make sure you guys are signing up because the bonus is going to be super fun and it's going to drop on Christmas. So make sure you're signing up for Patreon to do that. It's like a present. It an is. extra present. It's a present. It's a gift. But only for the pooper. Yes. And it's going to be a little bit more one of our little off the cuff kind of things that we talk. I like those. And talk about. I feel like it's like coffee talk. Yeah, it is. We need like a little taste. <laughs> Wait, you instantly change. Like, it's yes. Yes, it is. Welcome to coffee talk. I'm your host. A grande mocolata vida. I have lots of issues that need to be discussed here today. <laughs> First off, the barista gave me light foam when I explicitly discussed that I wanted no foam. How many calories are in the brownies? <laughs> I cake pops. chocolate. It'd be cake pops. It'd be cake pops. <laughs> I would love to have a lemon sponge cake. Make sure it's light and moist. Right now, everyone's like, shut up and get to the topic. <laughs> You're right, and we should do that. And this, listen, this is going to be a fun one. We are talking about some Christmas disasters. But listen, let's turn down the lights. Adjust our seats. Grab a drink and let's get... Christmassy, right? But first, here's a toast to all you beautiful motherfuckers. Remix. What the fuck? I go home and get your fucking shine box. I go home and get your. I go. I go. I go. I go. I go. I go home and get your fucking shine box. I go home. That's good. It was good for a minute. I feel like you could hear this at Cosmic Bowling. Remember Cosmic Bowling? Yes. Yeah. I do remember. Now go home and get your fucking shine box. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) So this week is our Christmas. What? How many Christmases is this now? 
In like ever or no, for, for oh. the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, for how many is it for 40 something? Right. Uh this is our our fourth? Is it the fourth one? I th- no, it's our third. It's, it's our third Christmas. Over two. Because the first one is when we dropped the Christmas special that we did. The Christmas right. Carol. We didn't yes. do one last year. Right. And then we did a, Krampus for the one year, didn't we? Oh, did I don't remember. When we were in the garage, we did Krampus. Maybe. Yeah, almost, I don't remember. All I know is is Happy holidays, you fucking grumpy bitches. Yeah. Yeah. And this is our Christmas special right here on the train. And first, listen, we have covered Krampus. Yes. Right. That was a good one. Christmas killings. The the, the history of uh, ghost storing or storytelling Christmas tradition Mm -hmm. that we Mm -hmm. need to bring back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, We found out the, uh, the origin of present giving. Right, mm-hmm. and the soul cakes, right, and soul cakes. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah, now you're learning all, all kinds back. of stuff about Christmas here. Yeah. Now, then, in keeping with our tradition of crazy Christmas episodes, today mm-hmm. we bring you some crazy Christmas disasters. Oh, like every year for me. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas is not immune to crazy shit going on, from natural disasters to fires. You know, not only that, we're going to give you guys a pretty good dose of history today. But of course, Ooh. we will. And Aaron, listen. There's some fucked up shit that happened around Christmas in the past. And just remember that not all views are necessarily that of the hosts of the Midnight Dream podcast. Or is it? Yeah, yeah you'll, you'll see what I'm is talking about. Is this like about. Phoebe Cates and Gremlins, like a really dark Christmas story? No, it gets... It, like no. how her dad died in the chimney? Oh, just wait. Spoiler. It's if a, you haven't seen Gremlins? If you haven't seen Gremlins, go fuck yourself. <laughs> but yeah. Wait, what's Gremlins? Yeah, shut Whoa, your face. Shut up. <laughs> Don't get the wet. Yeah. So that being said, let's get into this. But uh, keep in mind, uh, listen, you know how we do it. It could get rough from time to time. So uh, if you, there's a lot of stuff in here that could trigger people, is mm. all I'm saying. You know what? If it does, toughen the fuck up. You know what right. really gets people triggered? Did What's you know, that? Dad, what? that I came home on Christmas Day from the hospital when I was born? I was there, you shit. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Why, wait, how, how would he not know that? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the day you pissed on my brand new hat. Ooh, oh, what yeah. kind of hat was it? A Kango. Oh, of course. Of yeah. course it was, yeah. So that was what year? 95. Oh, yeah. That was the height of new metal, dude. Yeah. Or the, just the beginning of it, actually. Yeah. Yeah, he pissed mm. all over. I was changing his you diaper. You peed on Freakstyle's Kango hat? And the fucked up part is it was above his head. How? Hey, he man. just pissed all over the place. Sometimes oh, man, you gotta yeah. do what you gotta do, you know what I mean? Right. You, gotta, you gotta show off the premise. Well, <laughs> listen, this first topic isn't necessarily a disaster in the usual sense. It definitely caused nothing but problems, and yes, it is a disaster, but you'll see what I'm saying. In 1865, on Christmas Eve, something happened that would change things for many people in this country and still causes grief to this day. Uh-oh. Any thoughts so far? Hillary Clinton. No. Um, well, I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. Yeah. Okay, while most people in the U.S. were settling down for the night with their families, leaving milk out for Santa and tucking the kids in for the night, a group of men in Paluska, Tennessee, were getting together for a very different purpose. Oh. Frank McCord, Richard Reed, John Lester, John Kennedy, J. Calvin Jones, and James Crow were all officers with the Confederacy in the Civil War. Hmm. Is this John Kennedy, like the president, John Kennedy? or No. No, not no, no, no. This is way before. I okay. just said it's 1865. Well, you never know. He could time travel. Oh, that's yeah, true. true. He could. He, could he was knocking up Marilyn Monroe, man. He could do anything. Yeah, this is true. No, not that John. The Kennedy. magic bullet. Okay. Yeah, oh. not John F. We won't go there. Right. <laughs> that night, they got together to form a group inspired at least in part by the then largely defunct Sons of Malta. 
While it started as a social club, within months it would turn into one of the most nefarious groups around, the Ku Klux Klan. Oh. Yeah, those assholes. Yes. So according to uh, the, Enci- uh, the Encyclopedia of Fraternities from 1907, quote, Beginning in April of 1867, there was a gradual transformation. The members had conjured up a veritable Frankenstein. They had played with an engine of power and mystery, though organized on entirely innocent lines and found themselves overcome by a belief that something must lie behind it all. And there, and that there was, after all, a serious purpose, a work for the clan to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it borrowed parts of the initiation ceremony from the Sons of Malta with the same purpose. Quote, ludicrous initiations, the baffling of public curiosity, and the amusement for members were the only objects of the clan, according to Albert Stevens in 1907. So he's basically like, these guys are just here to cause shit. As you would. That's, that that's it. In the summer of 1867, local branches of the clan met in a general organizing convention. They established what they called a, quote, invisible empire of the South. Hmm. Leading Confederate General Nathan Bedford Forrest was chosen as the first leader or Grand Wizard of the Klan. He presided over a hierarchy of Grand Dragons, Grand Titans, and Grand Cyclops. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they have Grand Cyclops. And Wizards. And Wizards. Yeah, it was Lord of the Rings. Yes. Yeah, and Titans, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Titans, too. Yeah, that's where we're at. The organization of the Ku Klux Klan, and it is Ku Klux Klan. A lot of people say Ku Klux Klan. Ku Klux, yeah. yeah it's it's Ku, a tongue twister. Yeah, it's Ku, K-U, Klux Klan. Can you say it five times fast? Nope, don't want to. I don't even like saying the name at all. Yep. Yeah. I know, because you don't want anybody to soundbite it and be like, see, he's yeah. racist. Well, no, like yeah. no, no, here, you can soundbite sound this. Soundbite this. Fuck those guys. <laughs> yeah. So they, uh, the, the organization of the Ku Klux Klan coincided with the beginning of the second phase of post-Civil War Reconstruction put into place by the more radical members of the Republican Party in Congress. Okay, no, no, no. Jeff just made a face. (laughs) No, 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 don't worry. Don't worry. So they're going against what the Republicans have put into place. Gotcha. 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 Believe it or not, they were all, and we'll talk a little more about it, they were more Democratic-leaning back then. Hmm. Sounds about right. Just kidding. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> after rejecting President <laughs> after rejecting President Andrew Johnson's relatively lenient reconstruction policies from 1865 to 1866, Congress passed the Reconstruction Act over the presidential veto. Under its provisions, the South was divided into five military districts. Each state was required to approve the 14th Amendment, which granted, quote, equal protection of the Constitution to formerly enslaved people and enacted universal male suffrage. Okay? So in other words, they're saying, y'all motherfuckers need to get with this and, you know, equal protection for everybody. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Right. Mm -hmm. From uh, 1867 onward, black participation in public life in the South became one of the most radical aspects of Reconstruction. Black people won elections to southern state governments. This is way back then, mean in the eighteen late eighteen yeah eighteen sixties. Like that's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That they were already like you know. I mean, we were just for that time. Yeah. For that time, it's awesome. Anyway, um, black people again for the governments and even the U.S. Congress. For its part, the Ku Klux Klan dedicated itself to an underground campaign of violence against Republican leaders and voters, both black and white, to reverse the policies of radical Reconstruction and restore. White supremacy in the South. Hmm. Fucking wizards and cyclops. Yeah. Uh, like I said, this one, this is the first one. It's there's it's triggery. Just, just you know, I'm just saying, listen, it's history, folks. All right. I'm just reiterating what's happening here. I'm not like condoning anything in any way. In fact, I'm the opposite of condoning. I'm 
judging and condemning. They know. They know. It's good. okay. Good. Anyway. You'll, you'll still get that comment from that asshole on YouTube or right. whatever he is, but it's okay. Everybody else knows. Someone's going to be like, the South will oh, rise sure. again! <laughs> no! <Yeah. laughs> no! No, no, no! As they're playing Kid Rock. <laughs> right. <laughs> they were joined in this struggle by similar organizations, such as the Knights of the White Camellia, uh, which was launched in Louisiana in 1867, and the White Brotherhood. At least 10% of the black legislators elected during the 1867 to 1868 constitutional conventions became victims of violence during Reconstruction, including seven who were killed. Mm. So these fuckers were going hard. You know what I mean? It's just, it's fucking ugh. white Republicans uh, derided as carpetbaggers and scallywags. That's what white Republicans were called. Carpetbagger. Yeah, that carpetbagging son of a bitch. I don't understand the insult there. They bagged carpets. Well, what's bad about that? You don't want to be a bagging carpet student. It's bad. Why? Because, I, I, dude, you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry if you own a carpet shop and you got to bag carpets. <laughs> All you guys out there bagging carpets. Yeah. I think Scalawag's the best one. Though. That is a good one. That's, that a, damn, that's a pirate. Yeah, man. that damn Scalawag. And black institutions such as schools and churches, symbols of black autonomy, were also targets for Klan attacks. By 1870, the Ku Klux Klan had branches in nearly every southern state. The Klan did not boast a well-organized structure or clear leadership, even at its height. Bunch of idiots. <laughs> Local Klan members, often wearing masks and dressed in the organization's signature long, light robes and hoods, usually carried out their attacks at night. They acted on their own, but supported the common goals of defeating radical reconstruction, restoring white supremacy in the South. Klan activity flourished particularly in the regions of the South where black people were a minority or a slight majority of the population and were relatively uh, limited in others. So, good. You know what's fun to think about? Not what this. If, well, no. <laughs> I mean, what if this was reversed? What if there was like... If that whole thing would have been reversed? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I mean... I mean, like, I don't know. It's it, just It's It would just suck weird. for us <laughs> as it sucked for them. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just saying it's it's weird that... Even back then, people were so like, well, you're not white, you're not like me. You know what I mean? It's just so, I don't understand that it's the thinking. It's the craziest so thing in the world to me. Yeah, it's it's the craziest thing in the world. <laughs> Judge a person by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. Period. Yeah. Because I've known a ton of assholes who were white, and I've known a ton of assholes who were black. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it has nothing to do with their skin color. It's the fact that they're a fucking asshole. Right. Period. Yeah. In the opposite side, I've known many people who were just great human beings that were every color imaginable. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you do have those assholes out there, and people are just assholes. So whatever. Don't judge them all because they all suck. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so um, among the most notorious zones of Klan activity was South Carolina. Sorry, South Carolina. Oh. Where in January 1871, 500 masked men attacked the Union County Jail and lynched eight black prisoners. There you go. Though Democratic leaders would later attribute Ku Klux Klan violence to poorer Southern white people, the organization's membership crossed class lines from small farmers and laborers to planners, lawyers, merchants, physicians, and ministers. 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 Mm, yeah. I a man of God, quote, unquote. When have you ever trusted a man of God? Oh, come this on. is true. Yeah. Every religion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. In the regions where most Klan activity took place, local law enforcement officials either belonged to the Klan or declined to act against it. Even those who arrested Klansmen found it difficult to find witnesses willing to testify against them. Other leading white citizens in the South declined to speak out against the group's uh, actions, giving them implicit approval. 
1870, Republican state governments in the South turned to Congress for help, resulting in three enforcement acts, the strongest of which was the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871. That's right. The Republicans stepped up and said, we got to fix this shit. That's crazy that it got that bad that they had to do that, though. Yeah. Oh, it was bad. You think, like, just the local police and sheriffs and whatnot would just shoot them? Well, hmm. they're a part of it. Well, that's true. You know yeah. what I mean? In that's the thing. Spots, yeah. And a lot of these guys who were in power and that were in, you know, like uh, the police and stuff like that, they, if they weren't a part of it, like it just said right there, they would just turn a blind eye. Right. right. You know, and they're like, fuck them. Even if they weren't like, they ah. would turn an Epstein. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even if they weren't looking at it from a, well, yeah, I hate them because of their color too. They're still going, well, I don't want them to come after me. Yeah. You know, because yeah. then they're going to burn down my fucking house. You know, so they they just avoided it at all costs. That happened with like the riots so recently, too. Well, yeah. You I saw mean, like old ladies getting out there throwing bricks through windows. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, dude. It's, it's because they do, they wanted to blend in so they wouldn't get attacked. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Can it's, you imagine? It's fucking crazy, man. Mildred, grab that for me. <laughs> Smack him in the head. She throws it like a foot, like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> We're a part of this. Oh, your dent just fell out. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, my. I shit myself. Give me that skateboard. <laughs> I'm going to smack this hoodlum. I just I just shit myself. <laughs> I fit in now, right? So for the first time, the Ku Klux Klan Act designated. <laughs> Jeff is back with his special effects. We're by getting the way. there slowly but surely. So you will start hearing fart noises all throughout this, which is good. Do you like how he rubbed his head about it? He's like, hey, you're going to hear <laughs> all through. <laughs> all through. <laughs> so this act designated certain crimes committed by individuals as federal offenses, including conspiracies to deprive citizens of the right to hold office, serve on juries, and enjoy the equal protection of the law. In addition, the act authorized the president to suspend the habeas corpus uh, arrest. Um, uh, wait a minute. Uh, okay, the habeas corpus. It's uh, arrest. That's where you can arrest accused individuals without charge. Ah, okay. And you can send federal forces to, to actually suppress the Klan violence. And again, for those of us who don't really know, just go further into that. It actually, um, habeas corpus or writ of habeas corpus actually means produce the body. Ah, hmm. That's what that means. It's a court order demanding that a public official, such as a warden, deliver an imprisoned individual to the court and show a valid reason for the person's detention. Gotcha. Yeah, the pr uh, procedure provides a means for prison inmates or others acting on the behalf to dispute the legal basis for confinement. If that makes sense. Yes. In other words, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can go get them. Yeah. Without right, a warrant. Right, right. So now this was just the first version of the Klan. A second version started up in the early 1900s. And later on, another revival is, um, um, which is the current iteration of the Klan. And we're not going to get into that later version of the clan because, well, fuck them, to be honest. Mm -hmm. We've already given them too much airtime. Mm -hmm. But this is most definitely a qualifier for a fucking Christmas disaster. Yup. I mean, truthfully, the Ku Klux Klan. That's that's fun. Bet you guys weren't expecting that one out there, were yeah. you? <laughs> Merry Christmas, assholes! <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you learned something. Yeah. You, know, you learned something. So next up, we have a couple of natural disasters. First up is Cyclone Tracy. Have you guys heard of Cyclone Tracy? Yeah. She's uh, a sister of mine, isn't she? What? What? What'd you say? That she's a sister of mine, isn't she? Oh, no, that's Cyclone Reagan. Ah, she's <laughs> Reagan. <laughs> she's, she's great. She's a great kid. I love her. She's just everywhere she goes. Still in the trouble, huh? Eh, no, she's doing better. She's got a job and shit. So oh, yeah, yeah, where's she working? She's doing, uh, she works for a, some health place. Does she? Yeah. Like a, oh, like a 
like, like for uh, like, food shakes and stuff no 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 she like, like a... rehabilitation for older people oh okay. oh, wow. yeah. she has a grown-up job yeah i think oh. she's gonna do really good with it too yeah i'm really proud of her awesome. yeah. did not know that yeah she's still crazy as shit yeah, yeah, yeah. still cyclone yes <laughs> but she comes by it honestly her last name is sayer so it's fine yeah, True, it's yeah, fine yep so cyclone tracy has been described as the most significant tropical cyclone in australia's history and all right yeah. And it changed how we viewed the threat of tropical cyclones to northern Australia. Five days before Christmas in 1974, satellite images showed a tropical depression in the Arafura Sea, 700 kilometers or almost 435 miles for all the stupid Americans, northeast of Darwin. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. The following day, the Tropical Cyclone Warning Center in Darwin warned that a cyclone had formed and gave it the name Tracy. Uh-huh. Cyclone Tracy was moving southwest at this stage, but as it passed the northwest of Bathurst Island on December 23rd, it slowed down and changed course. Uh-oh. That night, it rounded Cape Fourcroy and began moving southeast with Darwin directly in its path. Mm. The first warning that Darwin was under threat came at uh, 12.30 p.m. on Christmas Eve when a top-priority flash cyclone warning was issued advising people that Cyclone Tracy was expected to make landfall early Christmas morning. Thanks a lot, Obama. You know he's got a weather machine, right? <laughs> he does. Remember how people used to blame him on hurricanes and stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. President? he yeah. makes weather. Yeah. Obama made the hurricane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. Speaking of which, you hear about the new satellite they're getting ready to, the, or a telescope they're launching in outer space? Yes, yeah. I'm so excited for that. It's supposed to be, I read, so the article I read, and I'm super excited, side note, sorry. This isn't an Elon Musk thing, is it? No. Oh, no, it's God. an actual, like, It's supposed thing. to be, like, you were going to be able to see further than we ever have and clearer than we ever have. So I'm reading this thing. It's, like, the largest uh, telescope ever is going to be launched, and it's going to be absolutely amazing, dot, 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 if it works. <laughs> wait, of what? course. Of that's course. what the article, yeah, of course. The, the title of the article, that's exactly what it said, and I'm like, wait, what? Nice. <laughs> I guess they're worried that they might be rushing it to get it up or something like that. Uh, so you could see light years away or it's, something? Yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be like like a hundred times more than anything we have, including the Hubble and everything else. There's yep. going to be aliens at the other end, man. We'll I'm see. telling you. We'll see. Pieces, pieces. <laughs> <laughs> so despite 12 hours warning of the cyclone's impending arrival, it fell mainly on deaf ears. Residents were complacent after a near miss from Cyclone Selma a few weeks before and distracted by the festive season. Remember, it's Christmas. Right. They just had one go by that wasn't that big of a deal. They're like, ah, it's, it's it'll be fine. Drinking their Fosters. Right. All right. No, they hate Fosters over there. Actually, do you know do Fosters they? is not an Australian beer, right? It's actually like if you go to Australia and order a beer, Fosters is nowhere in the in the country at all. They so look at you like, like an American thing. Yeah. Kind of like Corona. Yeah, exactly. They're like, fuck you, Fosters, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you know what else is funny, too? What's that? Uh, clowns. I, I, I was going to say Jeff, but that, that works too. Oh, okay. Aw. Merry you're, Christmas. Yeah, you're welcome. Because <laughs> you make me laugh. Aw. All right, but anyway, what's my... Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. That was what I was going to say. Because <laughs> he keeps doing that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so indeed, in the preceding decade, the Bureau of Meteorology had identified 25 cyclones in Northern Territory waters, but few had caused much damage. Severe Tropical Cyclone Tracy was a small but intense system at landfall. What is, so how is a cyclone compared to a hurricane? Let me look it up. Literally the difference is the way it spins. One spins, one spins. So it's a hurricane, just spins the opposite yeah, way. Yeah, just, well, cause. Yeah. It's like the toilets oh, down yeah, there, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, op- okay. So, and is so that why? An eye. Look at that. Isn't that crazy looking? No, okay. So, serious question. You know how they say that, uh, and I don't know if it's a true thing. I, I they, they say the toilets go backwards down there. Uh, that's fake, right? <laughs> really? Yeah. That's a thing. You ever hear that? No. Yeah, that Australian toilets, like, they flush the opposite yeah, direction. Yeah, like ours flush counterclockwise, theirs flush clockwise. Which I think is fake. No, it's true. 
No, look it up. Why would it make Google a difference, it. though? Because, it's because Southern, Hemisphere. Southern Hemisphere, Northern yeah. Hemisphere, Northern oh. Hemisphere, the magnetic pool of the water is different. I don't think that's right. Australian listeners, and I know we have you guys out there, and I'm so sorry for always fucking shit up, but I want to know <laughs> if that's true. Because if that is true, is do they have more cyclones down there than hurricanes because of that? You know what I'm saying? It could be. Or are we just complete fucking idiots and none of it is... Probably. <laughs> none yeah, of that, it's an urban legend. Yeah, probably. there's no scientific proof of any of that. I don't know. It says that it is true on the Googles. So so I know it's it's theoretically the same thing as a hurricane, but it looks way cooler than a hurricane, in my opinion, going the other way. Oh, yeah. It just does. Like It just looks, so, like, it looks like a better design. Like it's a, better... a cyclone spins counterclockwise. Yes. And yeah. a hurricane spins clockwise. Correct. True enough. Man. We see you guys are learning all kinds of shit. You see this? Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> God, it's awesome. So, so many gifts. I know, so, so many presents. <laughs> so the radius of the gale force winds extended only 50 kilometers from the eye of the cyclone, making it one of the most miniature tropical cyclones on record, oh. according to the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or the NOAA. Right. Records show that at least six tropical cyclones had severely impacted Darwin before Tracy. So they, they have, they've had numerous ones hit... And that's Tracy. Oh, shit. It looks little, though, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that's what we're getting to. But look at the damage. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, everything's destroyed. So the worst of these was in January of 1897 when a disastrous hurricane nearly destroyed the, the entire settlement and 28 people died. Wow. He's like, oh, look at me. <laughs> he looks so photoshopped. <laughs> we have, I'm going to save this. We have to post this. Yeah, post that one for sure. It just looks so funny. However, unlike Tracy, it is thought this cyclone did not directly pass over Darwin. Okay. Mm. And while Tracy was reported as a Category 4 cyclone, some meteorologists today believe it may have been a Category 5 shortly before it made landfall. Oh, wow. At midnight on Christmas Day, wind gusts greater than 100 kilometers or over 62 miles per hour began to be recorded. The cyclone center reached East Point at 3.15 a.m. and landed just north of Fannie Bay at 3.30 a.m. Tracy was so strong, it bent a railway, railway sign tower in half oh wow Th- there it is that's, yeah that's like steel twisted yes like <laughs> yeah, in that's half crazy. yeah the city was devastated by the cyclone at least at least 90 percent of homes in darwin were completely demolished or badly damaged 45 vessels in the harbor were wrecked or damaged in addition to the 65 people who died 145 were admitted to the hospital with serious injuries Vegetation was damaged up to 80 kilometers away from the coast, and Darwin felt eerily quiet due to the lack of insect and bird life. So, like, the animals were gone. Yeah, could you imagine that? You're like, you ever go outside? Sometimes it happens up here before a storm. Like, we, we have a severe thunderstorm over the summer. Mm-hmm. We'll go outside, and, like, everything just dies out. Like, there's no crickets, no birds, no nothing. It's just dead silent. Right. And you just see these dark clouds just, you know, creeping right in. It's just eerie as yeah. shit. Yeah. It's just fucked up that, like, okay, you're sitting around. It's Christmas. You know, you just yeah. got back from your in-law's house. Yeah. You got a little bit of nip in you. Mm-hmm. You sit down. You light a fire. I don't know if they're lighting fires over in Australia, but, right. you know, I don't I don't know what they're, is there, what their weather during December over there? It's got to uh, be. It's a nice temperature, you know, 25 It's got to be, like, Celsius. the opposite of ours, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, they're in the Southern Hemisphere, so they're, like, their winter is their summer. Like, our winter is their summer. Right. So it's got to be like relatively, which would explain why a cyclone is coming through at that point in time. Right. Right. Yes. Okay. So anyway, you're sitting there and you're 50 degrees, it says. Okay. 51 degrees. Okay. So it's like they're it's mild, like they're spring or fall. Yeah. Right. Okay. So 
anyway, you're hanging out, you're doing all that, then all of a sudden a fucking hurricane or a cyclone comes fucking running over you. Named Tracy. Tracy. <laughs> oh my God, here I come! I want to know when Cyclone Karen's coming. <laughs> well, if you want to, you want to meet Cyclone Karen, go to any superstore. <laughs> go to the, the, the aisle with no cash register yeah. and she'll be there. <laughs> with- Where's the manager? <laughs> this price tag is wrong. Don't you film me? Yeah. Within a week after the cyclone hit, more than 30,000 Darwin residents had been evacuated by air or road. That's more than two-thirds of the population at the time. That had to have been a job. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. Cyclone Tracy remains one of Australia's most significant disasters. As Murphy wrote 10 years after the cyclone, quote, The impact of Cyclone Tracy has reached far beyond the limits of Darwin itself. All along the tropical coast of northern Australia and beyond, a new cyclone awareness has emerged. Merry fucking Christmas on that one. Woo! That sucks. That sucks. And the information on that for that section right there on Cyclone uh, Tracy was from uh, an article on abc.net.au. And by the way, all of the uh, research for today's episode was actually done by Mr. Moody. Yeah. He's out there Sasquatching. And he's probably up in the tree stand killing some time. He had time. Scribbling down in his... uh, He had time. How did he tie it to a pigeon and fly it to us? So that's the impressive part. It wasn't a pigeon. Oh, it wasn't? No, it was a falcon. <laughs> yeah. Moody studied falcon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just see he's got this leather glove in a box. He's like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was really weird because I got a box from FedEx and I open it up and it's this leather glove with like this string thing hanging off of it. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it's for Moody. And then two days later, I'm here. I literally walk outside and I hear, ah, and all of a sudden, I put my arm up, and it landed on me. No shit. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. It's really weird. Its name, that's what it sounded like. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. But we have to name it. Oh, the falcon? Yeah. Mm. Millennial? <laughs> no, I think it should be... Um, God, what's a good name for a falcon? Frank. That's, yeah, actually, Frank's a pretty good Frank name. is good. Yeah. Frank? Yeah. All right, so Frank the falcon. So he's in the backyard right now. He's eating up all the like squirrels and shit. So nice. it's cool. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, Moody, for the Falcon. I appreciate that. Anyway, next up, we are going way back here. The Christmas flood of 1717 resulted from a northwesterly storm, which hit the coastal area of the Netherlands, Germany, and Scandinavia on Christmas night of 1717. During the night of Christmas, the coastal regions of the Netherlands, Germany, and Scandinavia were hit by a severe northwestern storm. It is estimated that 14,000 people died. Oh, boy. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm just going to let you guys In process that. I'm just going to let you process that real fast. 14,000 people. And have you heard of this before? Nope. Nuts. Nuts. It was the worst flood for four centuries and the last significant flood to hit the nor- uh, north of the Netherlands. So this was from a storm, though, right? Yeah. In the countryside of the north of the Netherlands, the water level rose up to a few meters. The city of Gronen, uh, Groningen, Groningen, yeah, Groningen rose up a few feet. In the province of Groningen, villages that were situated directly behind the dikes were nearly swept away. Action had to be taken against looters who robbed houses and farms under the fraudulent act of rescuing the flood victims. Come on, guys. Every, every it's, situation. It's back like, in the 1700s, they were doing it. Shitty people are going to do shitty things. I guess. They're opportunistic. It's probably the wizard and Cyclops. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. In total, the flood caused 2,276 casualties in Groningen alone. Jeez. 
All right. 1,455 homes were either destroyed or suffered extensive damage, and most livestock was lost. And that sucks. I mean, the people dying, of course, it's horrible. I mean, I don't think that many people died in a tsunami. Yeah, no, no, I don't think so. They had to have been a hell of a flood. Yeah. Well, 1700s, they were obviously not prepared. Yeah, they're probably living way. in like clay huts and right, shit exactly. Like that. The water also poured into Amsterdam and Harlem and the areas around Dockham and Staverin. Um, over 150 people died in Friesland alone. In addition, large sections of northern Holland were left underwater in the area around Zwolle and Kampen. In these areas, the flood only caused material damage. In Vleeland, however, the sea poured over the dunes, almost entirely sweeping away the already damaged village of West Vleeland. So that's fucked. Yeah, 14,000 people. Yeah, that's from crazy. a flood. Now, obviously, it was over like many different countries. You know what I mean? It wasn't like in one particular place. That's still a lot for a flood. Yeah, yeah, that's that's insane. But a lot of people believed in Noah. Yeah, when well, that shit was going on. Well, maybe we also found this report from a German website. It's been translated here, so uh, you know yeah. our our apologies if it's a little wonky. Quote: According to tradition, several days before Christmas, it had blown strong and sustained from the southwest. Shortly after sunset on Christmas Eve, the wind suddenly turned from west to northwest and eased a little. The majority of the residents went to bed unconcerned because currently was half moon and the next regular flood would not occur until 7 a.m. At the time when the tide was supposed to have been low for a long time, however, a drop in the water level could not be determined. Allegedly between 1 and 2 a.m., the storm began to revive violently, accompanied by lightning and thunder. Between 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning, the water reached the top of the dike. Holy shit. Think about that. Yeah, that's big. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you got a fucking dam right now, if you had a dam and it, the water's at the very fucking top of it, yeah, you're freaking. The current, so I take that back about earlier about the tsunami. Oh. The one in 2011, the big one, was 19,747 people. Jeez. Is I didn't think it was hit, that many. Is that the one that hit... Uh, that was in, Indo uh, Indonesia, Thailand. I was going to say Thailand, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. when they made the movie after yeah. Impossible with uh, yeah, with the Ewan chick. McGregor and the kid that plays Spider-Man now, Tom Holland. Yeah, and the chick. Uh, what's her name? From The Ring. Yeah. 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 That, that, that was actually a good movie. It, it was, was. Pretty, pretty fucking intense, especially when they're getting swept away. Yeah. And where she's pulling the hair out of her throat in the hospital yeah. after. Like, yeah. Bleh. Yeah. Oof. But 19,000 people, almost 20,000. So I, I take that back. I thought it was less than that. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> Ugh. That sucks. Mother Nature's a bitch, man. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. So the current and waves caused the dike caps to break so that the tide rolled over the dike into the flat land with a loud roar of thunder. Many only had time to save themselves in the dark on the floor under the roof. Most of the time, there was not even time to take clothes, drinking water, and some food with you. Numerous houses could not withstand the rising water and the current. In the higher and higher waters and the increasing current, windows, uh, windows were doors and entire walls dented. Remember, this is translated. Mm -hmm. So... Allegedly the, allegedly, the hurricane and storm surge raged against the coast for three full days. So that it was not until December 28th that the water fell so far that one could come to the aid of one's neighbors with simply built boats. Jeez. Three days of that. Yeah. Yikes. Ugh. Ugh. This is why we all need to learn how to swim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In many places, the dikes had been raised to the ground, which meant that in lower-lying lower areas, every regular flood caused renewed flooding. So it basically, like, the second it receded, another one would come and do the same thing again. Yeah, and if Robert Plant taught us anything, when the levee breaks, you right. will have no place to stay. See? At the place... Riley's Robert Riley. <laughs> Logan's like, what? Who's Robert Plant? <laughs> He's uh, the guy who... 
No, I have no idea. Yeah, who who is he? I have no idea. Ooh. If you had to guess, who do you think he is? Ooh. I, I think he was a poet and he didn't even know it. I'll give you a hint. Classic rock. Uh, Robert Robert Plant. Um, let's see. This is good. I like this. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Say the say the line for me again. The the levy. He did the, the when song the levy about... breaks, we will have no place to stay. Oh, okay. So it's not the guy who did. Uh, I'll I'll uh, drive to the levy until the levy is dry or whatever. Who is that? No, no. That's uh, Credence, isn't it? Isn't it? Is that no? That's no, that's not Credence. Uh, that's uh, it's a it's a that's an old like sixty song. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Well, he's getting there then. Yeah. We're, we're thinking classic rock. Right. Sam Mama said the way you move. Don't make it. Oh, okay, I got you. I don't know who that is, but okay. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> I know the song though. <laughs> oh my god. Sucker. You need know this shit. one. He is. Yeah. You know if Steve Simbeck's listening, oh, yeah. he's crying. He's right crying now. right now. Yeah. Teach me your ways. Yeah. It's Led Zeppelin, bro. Oh, I didn't really get into Zeppelin. Bonzo, Jimmy yeah. Page. Come on. To be honest, on. I really got into Zeppelin. Oh, you're missing out, dude. Yeah, see, I was more of like the... They're the OGs uh, of like math, mathematical music writing. Wait, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, take a Led Zeppelin song and just listen to it, a basic one, and you'll, you'll never listen to it the same when you figure out that the drummer's doing 3-4, Jimmy Page, the guitarist, is doing 4-4, four, four, and Robert Plant's singing in 4-4, four, four, but it all magically just happens to flow together. That was... Uh, it's insane. Oh, that's Bonham, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a beast. Yeah, he was a beast. He was like yeah. one of the best drummers of all well, time. I'll yeah. be doing tomorrow at work listening to some fucking Zeppelin. Yeah. You should get really high first, though. Yes, you should. <laughs> you, got, you, you, got, you, got some, you got some stuff, though? Did you? We'll, 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 talk, talk, we'll talk later. Okay, oh, cool, okay. cool, cool, cool. Cool, 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 <laughs> Moody's like, I'm coming back! <laughs> I'm back for my sabbatical! All of a sudden, you hear... <laughs> <laughs> no, the Fal- Falcon Frank. <laughs> He's pecking Send at the window. <laughs> Falcon's high as shit flying back to him. <laughs> oh, man. So, at the places where the dikes were broken, deep valleys, some of which were large, formed. In many places where the dike is led around in a, in a semi-arch, these walls, also known as pools or bracken, are still visible and testify to the force of the waters. At the time, many people are said to have believed that the march was forever lost. Mm. The, the march, I guess, would be, yeah. How would you like to have been like the engine? Well, they wouldn't call him an engineer back then. Maybe they did. But the guy that actually built those dikes and the levees and everything, and he's like, we have to have this because if a flood, and everyone's like, yeah, right, fuck you. Yeah. And then, the, and then like this that. happens for three yeah. days. He's like, it's I, been four decades since we've I had told one. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> told you. Merry Christmas, motherfucker. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, ah, let's see. Where was I at? Uh, oh, yeah. In the low-lying areas, the water was later covered with ice flows, sometimes held up for months. Up until the summer months, bodies were said to have been found repeatedly during the cleanup work on the alluvial piles of straw and in the trenches. That's right. This was Christmas wintertime. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's even worse. Yeah. So this thing came in and it froze over and they couldn't even f- look for people because everything was frozen afterwards. Yeah. And if you got caught in that, you could swim for five minutes and you freeze. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this is what they're dealing with. So after everything thawed, they were finding bodies for weeks. Because Rose couldn't move an inch over yeah. to let Jack on? Right. <laughs> one inch, right? One inch, Fuck she couldn't her. move. Sorry. I'll Bro, never you, let go, Rose. You Titanic <laughs> fans out there. You realize none of that actually happened, right? I'm just yes. making sure. Uh-huh. It was a true story. Yeah, yeah. That was a documentary. Yeah. Did you ever... By the way, I want to do an episode on the Titanic uh, oh, conspiracies. That would be awesome. Because there's a lot of them, dude. That would be fun. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Yeah, what do you think, guys? Let us know. Yeah, let us know if you want us to do that, too. They're like, no, we want you to finish the fucking story. Sorry, right, sorry, right, sorry, right. sorry. So, um, new storm surges in the following years ruined the efforts for the first time to get the dike back into a defensible condition, and many houses, which were initially only damaged, have now been completely destroyed. Numerous small owners left the country so that the Hanover government even issued a ban on immigration. 
So that was the, they, that's his report. Yeah. In like in German, obviously translated. But that that's fucking crazy. That is. So it looks like the Netherlands got a proper Christmas fucking on that one for sure. Some towns were so. Did you com- say a Christmas fucking? Uh, proper Christmas fucking. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. They did. Uh, I'm not laughing at their demise. I'm laughing. At no, the, no, the no, word. no, 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 no. That should be a new horrible. T-shirt. Yeah, a proper Christmas fucking. <laughs> I, I believe too. Yeah, that'd be good. If Santa Claus bent over, like making the gesture, <laughs> you know, <laughs> on it. Yeah. So some towns were so severely destroyed that nothing was left, and they literally ceased to exist. Like those towns were just gone. Like that's it. Wiped away. Fuck. Well, three days of that would definitely yeah. do it. So cyclones and floods. What else does Mother Nature have for us? Well, another Christmas fucking. Yeah. How about an earthquake? You might as well. All right. On Friday, December 26, 2003 at 526 a.m., oh. Bam City in southeastern Iran was jolted by an earthquake register- registering a 6.5 magnitude on the Richter scale. That's pretty big. This was the result of the strike-slip motion of the BAM fault, mm, which you. runs through this area. Okay, and as we all know, the tectonic plates, they have mm, faults where those are. They right, move a little shift. bit, and all of a sudden, you get freaking earthquakes and tsunamis and all kinds of shit. Right? Did you see all the ones we had recently uh-uh. in the news? Mm-mm. Did you see that? No, I didn't know. Off the coast of California, there was like 40, no, six, I have to look it up. It's either 40 or 60 earthquakes in the ocean in one day. That's a lot of earthquakes. In one day. That's just them fracking out there. You know, <laughs> it's the spaceships trying to come out of the ocean. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, telling you, yeah. that's where they're coming. Yeah. They're going to come from below. I'm telling you right now, that's what they're going to do. You know California is going to fall off the uh, United States. It literally cannot do that. It will. It, it can't. Dude, it's in so many movies. <laughs> and The Rock is in those movies, so I know it's it going to happen. It true. Yes. Right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah, but for all those people that believe that it can, like, Maynard, it can't fall into the ocean. It can't. No, it's not going to fall into the, the way ocean. It's, the way it's done and it connected to the continent itself and, like, everything underneath it, there's no way for it to actually, like, break off and slip and fall down. Anymore. Oh, so it, it, we, we can't disown California? No, we can do that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. sorry, California listeners. <laughs> I think everybody has already disowned and left California. I'm pretty sure. Point. I'm pretty sure anyone that lives in California doesn't listen to our podcast. Probably not. Yeah, they're too busy chasing homeless people out of their yards <laughs> and pooping in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> they're picking up poop in the streets <laughs> when the they're way, allowed outside the yeah. COVID. <laughs> and by the way, I'm just kidding. One of my favorite places in the country is um, Chesapeake Bay. No, what is it in uh, the the wine, the wine place? Up oh, there. Napa Valley. Napa, dude. Gorgeous. I want to go. Uh, gorgeous. My wife wants me to take her. It's like on her bucket list to see the redwoods. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'd be cool. If California's left in a couple of years, maybe we'll go check yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah. Let's just hope they don't get hit by any fire. California. <laughs> He's got his Humvee picking up. Get in the car if you want to live. <laughs> I'm the governor. <laughs> we got to get to the job. Do it now. We're just going to sit here and do bad Arnold impressions for yeah. Christmas. That's what. That's, Merry that's Christmas. Your, yeah, that's your present. Do it. Chates all right now. He's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I made my wife, not made my wife. She wanted to watch Jingle all the way the other day. Oh, nice. Oh, How was it? Nice. Uh, she didn't know that I had just watched it the day before. Ah, nice. And I watched it again. I was like, fuck yeah, I am. Yeah. Those are my cookies. <laughs> Put the cookie down now. <laughs> Why are you? in my house <laughs> you started it <laughs> anyway so this was the result again of that uh strike slip motion of the bam fault the earthquake's epicenter was determined to be approximately six miles southwest of the city three more significant aftershocks and many smaller aftershocks were also recorded the last of which occurred over a month after the main earthquake to date official death tolls have 
26,271 fatalities, 9,000 injured, and 525 still missing. That's a lot. That's a lot of smashed buildings. Yeah, Yeah. that sucks. The city of Bam is one of Iran's most ancient cities dating back to 224 AD. Damn. Latest reports and damage estimates are approaching the area of $1.9 billion. A United Nations report estimated that about 90% of the city's buildings were 60 to 100% damaged, while the remaining buildings were between 30 to 60% damaged. The crazy part about the whole thing, the quake only lasted for eight seconds. Yeah, well, there's nothing you could do when a building collapses on top of you. I mean, think about it. Right. What, what are you going to do? Oh, like you that put, one in Florida that just put happened a pillow recently. over your head and hope for the... I mean, like, there's there's nothing you, you know can what I'm do, talking right? about? That one in Florida? Yeah, the condo. The condo that killed all those well, people? There's there's some conspiracies going on behind that one, too. Ooh, ooh please do tell. Like building code stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you... I, mm. There was a picture of the That's basement. not even freaking... That's not conspiracy. That's, like, legit. That's like, no, I yeah, know. That's I know. Like, but they're saying it was some... Some had to do with the boiler room or something. Something was faulted for so many years and no one ever reported it. And that's what actually made the whole thing collapse. Holy shit. If I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me on it. Yeah, I don't know. All I know is it was a lot a of people ago. lost their fucking lives over yeah. freaking ignorance. That's why you don't live in buildings. Get out of buildings, people. <laughs> yes, live in huts. Yeah. Let's move into a hut. All of us. What do you need a building for? Let's move into a hut made of pizza. Yeah. Oh, see, that would be good. And we'll call it a It's a not day. cheap. Pizza I mean, hut. Like, it. <laughs> it's not cheap to live in a building. It's more expensive than having a mortgage. I guarantee you that. Yeah. In most cities. Yeah. You got to walk up flights and flights and flights of stairs or use elevator when you go get groceries or just go to come and leave right dude That's i lived on stupid. a seventh floor of a place you one can't time. have a pet if you do have a pet it's going to be a nightmare trying to take the thing out all the time yeah get out of buildings we don't need them anymore well here's the problem though okay is that most people they have to work to rent a, an apartment right right yeah which means they have to work and work and work to pay for that apartment because they need a place to live which means they're not saving up the money in order to buy a house right they can't afford to buy the house because they have to find a place to live and then what happens is these fucking apartments and shit they charge so much that people will never get out from underneath that they won't so you what needs that. to happen is is that there needs to be we need to I, I don't even know what needs to happen something needs to happen where people who uh, are, are trying to buy homes it's easier to buy a home you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, now nowadays it's actually, I don't think it's as bad. Well, dude, the it's average, so easy to get approved for a home loan now, and with the interest rates, well, especially right year. now because of the pandemic. Dude, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna age myself here, but when my first apartment was like three hundred forty five dollars a month. You think can't, about that. You will never find one of those now. Three hundred and forty five dollars a month. You know what the average is now? It's $1,200 a month. Isn't that crazy? And if you have a pet, it's even more, I think. Right. And what they say, the cost of living has gone up 8%, but most people are only getting like a freaking 3% you know, raise and shit like that. Like, it sucks. And and, and listen, my heart goes out to all those people out there because it's so hard to get out from underneath that. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's so hard to because you have to have a place to live. And if you got kids... Don't have kids until you're ready, folks, until you can afford to do it. Listen, I'm an idiot. Jeff's yeah. an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Logan is an idiot. Yeah. You know, and you know and what by else? idiot, you know, I'm, I'm not negating my granddaughter. I'm saying, like, not being prepared for the time. Oh, yeah. You know, because you think you're ready for it. And yeah. then what happens is life slaps you in the fucking dick, and you're like, wow. Right. I could have fucking waited. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's so, it's so much harder, especially nowadays, because people are not getting paid enough because to be honest and it's not just the company's fault now when you have these ceos and shit that are fucking walking out with fucking making two three five million dollars a fucking year bonuses and with shit, bonuses yeah. and shit like that and 
and they can't afford to give their people like good raises, that's horrible. That needs right. to stop. Oh, yeah. Okay. But like for companies like yours who give people an actual living wage, you guys aren't like rolling in dough. Oh, we're, we give higher wages. Right. I mean, our, our, our starting wage is way higher right. than, than anything you'd see advertised. And again, you guys hey, aren't, you, you guys aren't like multi, <laughs> not for you. <laughs> you're not like multi-million dollar assholes that are getting all these, no. fucking bonus. you're not, you're not, a, I guess you're also not like, you know, a huge conglomerate corporation. Right, right. Anyway, sorry, that's my soapbox. The only other bitch to that though, that I'm sure people are aware of is once you do get out of that hole and you start making more, you lose more because you go to a higher tax Oh, you get bracket. taxed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So it's like an endless fuckery. That oh yeah. Just like it's, oh, yeah. it's all cyclical. Like you, you, yeah. You start making more money, and you, 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 like these people. I, I always laugh because like my daughter, she got a raise. Okay, she's been working at this place for I think a year now, a little over a year. She's doing well, and they decide to give her a raise, and she's always like, "Dad, I'm getting a raise. It's like three dollars more an hour." I'm like, "Well, that's a good raise." She got her first paycheck. She's like. Where's my raise? I'm like, yeah, higher tax bracket. Yeah. Say goodbye. Yeah. Yep. They She's take. like, really? That happens? I'm like, welcome to the world. Just remember, <laughs> the more you make, oh, the, the more, more they, they take. take. Exactly. That's it. Now, Uncle Sam's got to get yeah. his fucking hands in there, dude. Yeah. And that's what sucks, too, is that, you know, you're all, listen, God, we could go on and on about this. All right. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. But it's Christmas, so we can't do that. All right. And listen, make sure you guys go pay, you know, way too much for overpriced shit. You don't need it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on here. Now, I know what you're thinking here. That's not Christmas, right? Because we said whatever. Well, hold on there, y'all. The night of the 25th, Christmas, people actually started to feel minor tremors that would actually preface the quake. You sure it wasn't Santa Claus on the roof? It might have been. <laughs> I wasn't there, so I can't attest to that. So anyway, that's that's basically what happened. That's a lot of people that die, dude. It is. That's, that's fucking. I'm sorry. Horrendous. I, I was trying to throw a joke in there to lighten it up, but no, that's good. I wasn't. But you had to bring it back to death, didn't you? <laughs> well, you weren't making fun of the <laughs> the people that died. So, I just thought it would be cute if Santa Claus was on the roof making the tremors, make it more comforting, right? Do, do, no, do, your kid's uh, 13 now, right? Yeah, do you still believe in Santa? You know, I don't know, and I yeah. I can't ask him. I feel like. It would ruin it if he did still. Yeah, don't, you know what I mean? So I'm that. just going to let don't him like figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure the, the little, little bastards at school are probably like, fuck your mom and Santa Claus is not real. Yeah. You know what I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Listen, folks, if they believe, let them believe, man. Just just let them believe forever. If they believe in fucking unicorns and dragons and shit, just let them. Because the second they lose that, that's when they start to become like adult assholes. Yep. Teenagers. Yeah. And that sucks. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah. So we have one more natural disaster for you guys. And this one, uh, most of you guys probably remember. And this one was another that started last Christmas night. Well, last Christmas. Well, not last Christmas night. I don't know why I said that in there. It started on Christmas night and rolled into the 26th. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Also known as Boxing Day. So we're talking about the Boxing Day tsunami and the Indian Ocean earthquake in 2004. I don't know if I remember this. Okay. Well, it was a 9.1 magnitude earthquake. One of the largest ever recorded. Ever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ever. 9.1. That's a, yeah, that's That's crazy. huge. Imagine, remember, we just talked about 20 some thousand people dying six, from a 6.8 yeah, yeah. or whatever. This is a 9.1. So it ripped through an undersea fault in the Indian Ocean, propelling a massive column of water. <laughs> I'm, I did not mean it. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
<laughs> I forgot I had those hotkeyed, and I'm typing in Google for the search to look this up, oh. and I hit two, and that's the fart key. So <laughs> we're gonna hear about that one. Oh boy, my bad. No, I bad. could edit that out, but I'm not gonna. Oh yeah, leave that, that in there. That's probably. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna do that. So, but I just think it's funny because I said it ripped through an underseat. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, it ripped through and in a uh, massive column of water. It shot up toward unsuspecting shores. The Boxing Day tsunami would be the deadliest in recorded history. Tagging, taking. All right. Anybody want to take a guess on how many uh, people unfortunately lost their lives on this 28, one? 28,000. Yeah, that's going to be it's going to be a big one. Okay. Um, 230,000 people. Holy Ooh. fucking shit. Yeah. Where was this at? Um, it was on, uh, da, 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 da. it was, uh, Indian Ocean. So, well, we'll, here, we'll go through this. All right. Um, so in just a matter of hours, this happened, by the way. The city of Banda Ake in the northern tip of Sumatra was closest to the powerful earthquakes epicenter, and the first waves arrived in just 20 minutes. It's nearly impossible to imagine the 100-foot rolling mountain of water that engulfed the coastal city of 320,000 people, instantly killing more than 100,000 men, women, and children. Yeah, you're not going to live Jeez. through a 100-foot wave. No. Even if you had scuba gear, it's still going to take you and throw you against something or impale you against something. Right. And or the, the undercurrent's going to just keep you... And the shit that's in the water is going to smack yeah, you there's, around. There's yeah. no way. <laughs> Unless you're really good at jet skiing, maybe you could... But you'd have to have a powerful jet ski. I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Shatter my dreams. It's Christmas. Buildings folded like houses of cards. Trees and cars were swept up in the oil black rapids and virtually no one caught in the deluge survived. Thailand was next with waves traveling 500 miles per hour across the Indian Ocean. The tsunami hit the coastal provinces of Pangya and uh, Phuket, an hour and a half later. This is the Five, one we were just talking about, about the movie, The Impossible. Yeah. 500 mile per hours. Yeah. Gee. Water it, moving that fast. Check out that movie if you guys, like, are at all interested in this story because it's an, it's a really good movie. Like John said, it's it, it kind of depicts as close as possible with special effects and whatnot what these people went through. It's intense, And they went man. there on Christmas. There was a Christmas yeah. vacation yeah. that their family went to. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what this whole thing was about. Yeah. So despite the time lapse, locals and tourists were utterly aware or unaware of the imminent destruction. Curi uh, curious beachgoers even wandered out among the oddly receding waves. They walked out there looking at it like, oh, I wonder what's going on, only to be chased down by a churning wall of water. The death toll in Thailand was nearly 5,400, including 2,000 foreign tourists think about Jeez. that like you're on the beach on vacation with your family just having a good old time and you wouldn't feel you probably wouldn't feel that earthquake the initial mm -hmm. earthquake that caused the tsunami yeah yeah because yeah. it's so far out yeah you probably wouldn't feel it or even know it and you're just sitting there and a giant wave is coming it's like man that can't be right well that's what happens yeah, that can't be right it fucking takes it and it sucks it down yeah and then fucking forces it back up with such magnitude yeah. like if you see that water receding it's already too late Right. right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's too late. You see that. Yeah, the, I, I'm done. Yeah. I mean, unless you got a GTO judge and a clear strip, you know, with nothing in the way. What are you fucking the rock over here? Oh, Dom Toretto, man. I'm sorry. Hey, man. You don't, have to, about, you don't have to worry about no. anything unless you have family. That's it. <laughs> family first. Oh, family geez. always. Engine safety. second. So an hour later, on the opposite side of the Indian Ocean, the waves struck the southeastern coast of India near the city of Chennai, pushing debris, um, debris-choked water kilometers, kilometers inland and killing more than 10,000 people. 
primarily women and children, since many of the men were out fishing. But some of the worst devastations were reserved for the island nation of Sri Lanka, where more than three or 30,000 people were swept away by the waves and hundreds of thousands left homeless. That's I never thought about that. Fucking crazy. Because you, you, when you watch the movie that like we were talking about, you know, it comes and we've seen it on the news, but you never think about the other side. Right. Exactly. It would go yeah, in it's a gonna, circle. It's right? going to dissipate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to go out. I never would have thought about and that. And think about any of the little fucking islands that are in its way. Oh, yeah, they're right. gone. Gone. Yeah. Yep. Tom Hanks and Wilson, gone. Yeah, gone. Gone. Like, yeah. that's fucking insane. As proof of the record-breaking strength of the tsunami, the last victims of the Boxing Day disaster perished nearly eight hours later when swelling seas and rogue waves caught swimmers by surprise in South Africa, 5,000 miles from the quake's epicenter. Jeez. Do you think that, like, pushed sharks and whales and shit along with it? Like the current? It pushed sharks inside whales. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Like, it had to have taken whatever sea life was there and, like... No, I'm ooh. saying a shark got up in a, a fucking whale's asshole is what happened. Colonoscopy? Yeah, like... I mean, dude, 500 miles an hour? Yeah, that's crazy, You man. know what I mean? Think about... Okay, obviously, the, the death toll of the, the human beings is astronomical, and that's fucking horrendous. Think about all the, um, the sea life that oh, yeah. died. You know what I mean? Tons of it. It, it have to be. Right, because well, it's all when, getting uh, pushed out and smacking into buildings and shit. Was right. it Katrina that had alligators in the city afterwards? Yes. Yeah. It like brought the alligators into the city. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. think about that. Think about it. They have like sharks in the street. By the way, did you guys hear that there's a new? I think it's a nurse shark that is now able to live in freshwater, and they found it. Yeah. Nice. Bull sharks can live in freshwater as well too. Yeah. They didn't find all the way up like the fucking. They just need wings. Shit. Give them wings. Give them. Yeah, that's what we need. Yeah. Why not? It's like giving spiders wings. Don't you fucking dare. I don't care about spiders. Dude, yeah, there spiders. are flying snakes, by the way. What? Yes, there are flying snakes. They don't actually fly. They glide. They glide. I've yeah. seen, but these yeah. motherfuckers can glide like fucking forty feet or some oh, shit. Oh, can you imagine yeah. just walking around and a fucking snake just land on you? That's why I have a sling for my AR. End of it. <laughs> any moment. I wouldn't even be able to do it. I'd shoot myself. I would. You gotta snap your own neck. Yeah, Another exactly. Scenario. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Smart, smart, smart. So, Avisile Tatov is a tsunami researcher and vo- uh, forecaster with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Center for Tsunami Research. Holy shit, that's a long title. He credits the unsparing destructiveness of the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami on the raw power of the earthquake that spawned it. The quake originated in a so-called mega thrust, thrust fault, where heavy oceanic plates subject um, beneath lighter continental plates. Quote, they are the largest faults in the world, and they're all underwater, says Tidoff. So, yeah, those shift just a little bit. This is what happens. Right. You know what I mean? And it's it's like the repercussions from that is, remember, what is it? 90% of the earth is covered in water. Mm-hmm. Okay, right? And of that 90% of water, I think we've only, we've talked about this before. I 10%. Think, yeah, we've only. Re- it's 10% because I heard it the other day on another podcast. Yeah, that only 10% that we've actually discovered. explored or discovered, yeah. right? So. That's mm-hmm. nothing. Like people think about 10%. Yeah. That's shit. Yeah. Right. 90% of our planet is covered in water. <laughs> but yeah. my, my point is, is that there's so much water and it goes down so far that when this shit happens, it is such a cataclysmic event that. This kind of stuff happens. Yeah. And you, you, there's nothing you could do about it. Right. Literally, dude, if there's one of these on the East Coast of the United States, you know what I mean? Like fucking yeah. New York's gone. All well, those Eastern seaboard states gone. It's the same thing with the asteroid hitting the uh, the ocean. 
Right. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just forcing cause everything. The same thing. Yeah. You know, 100 foot waves that just. <clears throat> Which, by the way, there is an asteroid that either has just recently gone by or is going by and it's going to be back around again in like fucking 30 years or some yeah. shit. You I see the it. solar flares too? They've been talking about? No, I haven't seen that, but there's always solar flares. Always. But they're getting worse. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just the, the cycle of, of the sun. Because of 5G and the Clinton. No, 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 no. The 5G causes cancer. You got to remember that. It's drawing the magnetic fields in from the sun. Yes. The sun's been there for a long time. Oh, Moody. It'll, it'll be here to back me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's at home right now going, son of a I'm, bitch. Car- I'm carrying the torch for him, though, in spirit. <laughs> in 2000, the 2004 quake ruptured a 900-mile stretch along the Indian and Australian plates, 31 miles below the ocean floor. Think about that. 31 miles is far, man. That's 31 miles, right dude. Down. Like, your house to mine is probably, what, 20 miles? Yeah, roughly. Right. Just think about that. (laughs) That's a long way down. Deep. Yeah. Rather than delivering one violent jolt, the earthquake lasted an unrelenting 10 minutes, releasing as much pent-up power as several thousand atomic bombs. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, dude, 500 mile per hour waves? It's fucking crazy. In the process, massive segments of the ocean floor were forced an estimated 30 to 40 meters or 130 feet upward. The effect was like dropping the world's most giant pebble in the Indian Ocean with ripples the size of mountains extending out in all directions. I'm sure there's still like scars and everything from that. You oh, know yeah. I mean? You're Earth. not getting over that anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, Titov, the guy we talked about earlier, or Titov, Titov, whatever, emphasizes that tsunamis look nothing like the giant surfing break style waves that many imagine. Quote, it's a wave, but from the observer's standpoint, you wouldn't recognize it as a wave, Titov says. Quote, it's more like the ocean turns into a white water river and floods everything in its path. Once caught in the, uh, caught in the raging waters, the debris will finish the job if the currents don't pull you under. Quote, in earthquakes, a certain number of people die, but many more are injured. It's completely reversed with tsunamis, says Tidal. Quote, almost no injuries because it's such a difficult disaster to survive. That's fucked up. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if you're living in any of these areas and you happen to be listening, holy shit, are we sorry that you guys had to go through that? Yeah. And hopefully that never happens again because what a fucking nightmare. I couldn't even imagine. There's nothing you could do. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. Oh, my God. Well, there are some crazy natural disasters gifted to us by Mother Nature and her crazy ass temper. Mm -hmm. So now let's take a look at some man-made disasters. And there are some bad ones. That's right, folks. First up is the 1953 train wreck on Christmas Eve in New Zealand. We love New Zealand, and New Zealand loves us. So thank you for listening out there, guys, our Kiwi friends. Hmm. So this is actually a mix of Mother Nature fucking people and a man-made structure failing. This event is also referred to as the Tangiwai. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Tangiwai or Tangiwai? Yeah, I'd say Tangiwai. Tangiwai disaster. The weather on Christmas Eve was fine, and with little recent rain, no one suspected flooding in the uh, Wangahu River. The river appeared normal when a goods train crossing the bridge around 7 p.m. Okay, What transformed um, the situation was the sudden release of approximately 2 million cubic meters of water from the crater lake of nearby Mount uh, ah, Ruapahu. I think that's it, Ruapahu. A six-meter-high wave containing water, ice, mud, and rock surged tsunami-like down the Wangahu River sometime between 10, 10, and 10, uh, 15 p.m. Um, 
it says this lahar. I'm not sure what lahar is. Anyway, I, I guess the wave struck the concrete pylons of the Tangawai uh, Railway Bridge. Traveling at approximately 65 kilometers per hour, locomotive KA-959 and its train of nine carriages and two vans reached the severely weakened bridge at 10.21 p.m. As the bridge buckled beneath its weight, the engine plunged into the river, taking all five second-class carriages with it. The torrent force destroyed four of these carriages. Those inside had little chance of survival. The, uh, the leading first-class carriage, Car Z, teetered on the edge of the ruined bridge for a few minutes before breaking free from the remaining three carriages and toppling into the river. It rolled downstream before coming to rest on a bank as the water level fell. Remarkably, 21 of the 22 passengers in this carriage actually survived. So that's a good thing. That's right. I was going to say, man, when you're when it's your time, it's your time. Yeah, right, apparently. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Evidence suggested that the locomotive driver, Charles Parker, had applied the emergency brakes some 200 meters from the bridge, which prevented the last three carriages from ending up in the river and saved many lives. Good man. Even still, 151 of the 285 passengers and crew died that night in the crash. Oh. Yeah. That's crazy, right? That was actually taken from nzhistory.gov. Um, so that's New Zealand's. It's pretty good reflexes for that guy to be paying attention to yeah. see that coming. And yeah. Emergency right. break for back then. Like, well, think you know about what I mean? it, dude. Like, he saved, uh, what, 34 people, right? Do you know most of those? 134 people. I'm an idiot. 134 people. Most of those people just sleep on the train. You right. know what I mean? Because there's their alarms and, and whatnots, you know? That's and whatnots and whatnots and and who's it's and what's it's <laughs> <laughs> one fish two fish three fish blue fish. Next up is the Italian Hall disaster. Oh, before it was called Calumet, the area was known as Red Jacket, and for many it seemed to be ground zero for the sprawling copper mining operations that absorbed wave after wave of immigrants into the Upper Peninsula. Red Jacket itself was a company town for the Calumet and Hecla Mining Company, a large firm that in the 1870s was known as the world's largest copper producer okay for a time cnh had the world's deepest copper mines oh look at that you guys learned something right there uh, uh, merry christmas i'm learning a lot today yeah, that's right but the company wasn't immune from the organized labor push that swept across the hall key sorry that's a weird word kiwina peninsula and other parts of the up in 1913 Miners in Montana and Colorado had unionized, and in July of that year, the Western Federation of Miners called a strike against all copper country mines. According to a mining journal published that year, they were pushing for a $3 daily wage, eight-hour days, safer working conditions, and representation. Hmm, sounds kind of like something else we talked about, like the banana massacre. They just want a good wage and to be safe. Right. You know what I mean? So, quote, the strike took place in a very complicated time in American history, said Joe Holt, a historian with the National Park Service, Keweenaw National Historic Park. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Quote, we had all these different things coming together. An increasingly industrialized country was grappling with workers' rights, gender issues, and immigration. We're moving from a gilded age into a progressive era and recognizing the voice of labor. La labor? Labor. <laughs> quote, we see this event happen in the midst of that struggle. Quote, the reason it resonates today is we are still having these conversations. How do we create a just economy that functions for everybody? We are still almost 110 years later in the midst of these conversations. And it's true. Yep. Everyone just wants a working wage and to be safe and whatnot. Now, there are a lot of these assholes nowadays that we're both kind of feeling that they feel that they're owed way more than they're worth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's everywhere. Yeah. Not worth the 
Well, some of you might be. The Great Resignation. What? what? <clears throat> That's the thing going on now. The Great Resignation. What is that? Where people just are quitting their jobs. That's why there's so much joblessness. They're quitting their jobs to take higher paid jobs because they think they're worth more than they're finding out they're not getting those jobs because they're not worth when they think they are. The Great Resignation. You haven't heard of this? No. This has been in the news for like a while. The Great Resignation of 2021. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. As the strike wore into fall and in uh, the holiday season, a woman's auxiliary group to the WFM organized a Christmas Eve party for the miners' families at the Italian Benevolent Society building, Hmm. better known as the Italian Hall. They're putting together a party. I like parties. Why not? And listen, Italians know how to party. You know, you got to fight for your right. To party? Yeah. Yeah. And the you Italians. Know that, Logan? Uh, yes. Who's that from? Uh, that's the Beastie Boys. <gasps> oh. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> bombs on you, hey. Hey, hey, <laughs> He got I, one. I can quote like six of their songs, man, like almost word for word. Really? Yeah, I love the Beastie Boys. That's cool. Look at you. What was your favorite album? Uh, the one with the airplane on it. What's, What's it? that called? Uh... Fucking, <laughs> that's like remember. their most popular one. It's the one with the airplane on it. Is it like fucking, uh, fucking uh, Eminem fucking took it and did it's it, licensed it's M- to ill. Hey, okay. you yes. I couldn't figure out if it was licensed to ill. Good job. Ill communication is probably one of my favorites. That's my favorite. Yeah, yeah, that's probably one of my favorites. Or I check your it. head. Yeah, check your head. Great. That's a good one. Yes. Man. That's with what you want on it, right? So what you want, pass the mic. Yes. Funky boss. Yes. Oh, all so the instrumentals good. they were yeah. doing at the time. Yeah, that's a good one. So good. So it was a big, boisterous affair, researchers have said. The multi-story hall was packed with more than 600 people inside at one point. Children were watching a a play and receiving gifts. Organizers later said the crowd was so large that it was hard to track who was coming in the door. When the false cry of fire went up, pandemonium reached the sole stairway leading down the street. Quote, what happened is when people panicked, they tried to get out through the stairwell, Holt said. Quote, someone tripped or people started to fall, and that's what created the bottleneck. It was just people falling on top of each other. The aftermath was horrifying. As the dead were pulled from the pile in the stairway, the bodies were carried to the town hall, which turned into a makeshift morgue. Some families lost more than one child. Other children were orphaned when their parents died. One black and white photo in the Michigan Technological University archive shows rows of what looks like sleeping children lying side by side. Their eyes are closed. Their faces are unmarred. The caption reads, quote, Christmas Eve in the morgue. After the dead were buried, some families moved away. Others stayed and kept supporting the strike, which ended the following spring. Rumors emerged later that the Italian Hall's doors were designed to open inward, preventing the panic crowd from pushing them outward to the street. Those were debunked, along with the suggestion in Woody Guthrie's 1913 Massacre song that mining company thugs were holding the door shut from the outside that night. Damn. Yeah, really. Mostly kids. You know what, though? This happens so often. Like, the White Snake concert, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I, do, I don't understand how we've come this far and people, I mean, I guess in the moment, you're going to freak out. But right. you'd think by now, everybody can assume that if a fire or situation breaks out and you're in a confined place, you don't want to just have everybody <laughs> run like... And this is why I don't go anywhere. You know what I mean? I don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But the, and then what was that concert that just happened where the the kids got trampled? Oh, the um, what's it called? Astro World. Astro World. Who is that? Travis Scott. Yeah, yeah, that motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, this is like this happens all the time. You know, people just run and run and run, and they freak out and they don't give a shit about anybody else. 
Well, because people panic. I, I get that. You know what I mean? Like, I understand that, but still, you think like cooler heads prevail, man. Like, yep. you know what I mean? And but the problem is, is what what do they say? A person is smart. People are dumb. Name that movie. Oh, Men in Black, bitch. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> I would have never got that. That's too, really? too new for me. Oh, it's too Wait, new. What? That's like 99. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's too new. That's still good. I'm an 80s kid. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, a bit, I'm all 80s too, man. Yeah. I got it. I just watched, uh, what did I watch the other day? I watched uh, the original Alien, and then I watched yes. Alien versus Predator. Oh, the first one? Because uh, there's like five of them. The one where they go in the ice. Oh, down yeah. into things, and then they're running yeah, yeah. hand in hand at the end. Yeah, and her and the predator, like, yeah, oh, la, 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 yeah. La. yeah. I thought that was hokey. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I thought it, it it was a cool premise where like he's like, all right, you're gonna help me kill these motherfuckers because he's trying to prevent them from taking over. I don't know when he did like the little uh, what was it the uh, the warrior symbol on her face. Yeah, I'm like, get the fuck out. Yeah, it was hokey. Here. That was hokey as shit. And then how the queen died. Yeah. Hokey. That was hokey. Yeah, see, I was thinking that they were going to open that up for, like, she just, like, breaks away from the chain and then comes out, and all of a sudden she's swimming in the ocean and goes to fucking land and, like, terrorizes the whole fucking world. That's what I was really, really hoping for, but instead they came up with Requiem, which was just a predator with an alien mixed hybrid that yeah. just, you saw, like, two seconds of that fucking ant, that fucking creature. The entire movie. That was it. Yeah, and, and then I watched that other alien versus predator. I predators? Think. No, 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 no. It was just called Predators. Pre predators. Adrian that Brody. That one is awesome. No, 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 no. Not that the Adrian Brody one the newer one yeah dude that one's awesome oh with olivia munn oh i don't know who the fuck that you're talking about but they were dropped it's on got the, the, the super predator in it yeah 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 i watched that one yeah, right after that i was like in a predator kick so i was watching that nice. and i was like it's it wasn't good i'm sorry yeah. it's not what? very good are we no. talking about the same movie here where they're dropping the fucking planet in the middle of, like, all of a sudden you just open up the movie and all of a sudden you just see the dude with the fucking... Uh, no, the, that's the Adrian Brody one. That's the Adrian Brody one? That's where he's Predators. Just that's yeah. the one where they're falling yeah. down, yeah. right? That's what I thought we were talking about. Okay. That one was actually no, pretty good. No, I thought this one was I called Predators. That, I thought that one was pretty good. No. There's a movie called so. Predator, which was the one I with don't know. Schwarzenegger. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, ten <laughs> minutes later. He's like, get to the chopper! Yeah. <laughs> but you know, speaking of movies... No. My favorite times coming up every Christmas Eve night before I go to bed. Nightmare Before Christmas. Die Hard. Oh, damn. Oh, yeah. Every year. You have to. Yep. But you have to add a movie for me. Okay. You got to add Lethal Weapon. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Add Lethal yeah. Weapon. That's a good one. I think back-to-back -back Christmas Eve, watch Re Die Hard. the Christmas tree sales. Yep. And, he's, and Lethal yeah. Weapon. Yeah, Absolutely. They actually get into a fight in on Christmas Eve or whatever right there in the freaking uh, in the front yard. So, mm -hmm. yeah. That's a Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. I'm into yeah. it. All right, so listen, we're moving on here. Sorry. <laughs> Here's another touchy one, as if most of these haven't been. Thank you, Moody. A race Wyatt. Uh, Wyatt? A race riot. Wesk we wabbit. <laughs> you wesk we wabbit. <laughs> uh, race riots are not fun, folks. A race riot erupted in Mayfield, Kentucky, just before Christmas in 1896. Although slavery in the U.S. ended after the Civil War, the Reconstruction period and beyond, as we talked about earlier, was a dangerous time to be black. I could only imagine. Things were awful for non-whites in the former Confederacy, amongst which Kentucky was especially bad for racial violence. Kentucky's weird, man. Fucking Kentucky. We we uh, went on tour there. Yeah. We played there. Remember, it was it was a dry count. There was you couldn't get alcohol anywhere. Yeah. That's where grandma was or grandma. Mama. Mama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in Kentucky. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Speaking of, you know, it's a little side funny story here. She hit you up on Facebook? No. Oh. <laughs> I woke up this morning at like 630 and I look at my phone and it says I have a missed call from Kenny Irizarry at three o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, what? Oh boy. He was drunk. He's like, I miss my friend he, Jeff. He told me he butt dialed on accident. Oh, liar. Like, yeah, right. He was at home missing his buddy Jeff. Yeah. We miss Kenny. Kenny. 
<laughs> so things were bad in Kentucky, right? In December of 1896, white vigilantes lynched two black men within 24 hours of each other between the 21st and 22nd. One for a minor disagreement with a white man and the other Jim Stone for alleged rape. Yikes. A note attached to Stone's swinging corpse warned black residents to get out of town. What the fuck? Boah. In response to this unambiguous threat, the local African-American population armed themselves. Rumors spread amongst the town's white people that 250 men were marching on the city and a state of emergency was called. The whites mobilized, black stores were vandalized, and fighting broke out between the two sides on December 23rd. In the event, three people were killed, including Will Suet, a black teenager who had just got off the train to spend Christmas with his family. It was all over on Christmas Eve, and a few days later, an uneasy truce between the races was called. Wow. F- what is wrong with our country, dude? Jesus. You know what the crazy thing is? Like, the saddest stories that we go over in disasters is ones that we cause ourselves. Mm-hmm. You ever notice that? Oh, yeah, they're horrible. Like, yeah, the Mother Nature stuff well, is, I don't know. is terrible. Like, the tsunamis are terrible. But, like, the ones that, like, are real bullshit and really suck are the and ones avoidable. that we do ourselves. Yeah, the avoidable to each ones. other. Right, the yeah. avoidable ones. Yeah, well, because fucking... we're fucking idiots. Yeah. Ugh. So, Merry yeah. Christmas, yeah. motherfuckers. So, listen, you guys know what time it is here. We're getting towards the end of it. We got some quick hitters for you here. That's right. It's time for some quickies. Many of us enjoy the Christmas period by going to the theater or watching a movie like we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. In December 1903, Chicago residents were eager to do just that at the brand new Iroquois Theater, which had been officially opened on only on October that year. So just a couple months prior. 1,700 people in all crammed themselves in to see the zany, family-friendly friendly musical comedy, Mr. Bluebeard. <laughs> Mr. Bluebeard. Yeah. But just as the wait was over and the show started, a single spark from a stage light lit the surrounding drapery. Oh, shit. The show's star, Eddie Foy, tried to keep things together as Iroquois ma- employees struggled to put the curtains out in vain. However, even the spectacle of a Windy City native in drag couldn't stop the terrified crowd stampeding for the few exits. These preposterously were concealed by curtains and utterly inadequate in numbers. In other words, they were covered up and they only had a few exits. Yikes. Not good. When the actors opened their own exit door to escape, a gust of wind sent a fireball through the crowded theater, meaning that hundreds died before the fire service was even called. This is like the Plaza Inglorious Bastards. It's close. 585 people died, either suffocated, burned alive, or crushed. The scene was described in a 1904 account as, quote, worse than that pictured in the mind of Dante in his vision of the Inferno. Fucking 585 people. Yeah. Fucking Chicago, dude. Damn. Next up, the politics behind this ghastly event are pretty complicated. One Mexican lecturer described the massacre as, quote, the most complicated case in Mexico. We need to ask Davey about this. Yeah, he might know. (laughs) But here's an inadequate summary. The small and impoverished village of Actiel, Mexico, was home to Las Abejas, which means the bees, a religious collective that sympathized with a rebel group opposing the Mexican government. Thus, on December 22, 1997, members of the then-ruling Institutional Revolutionary Party crept down the steep hill slopes above the village. They chose their moment to attack carefully as people gathered at a prayer meeting when they finally slunk into Actiel. Over the next few hours... Assassins armed with guns executed 45 innocent people in cold blood. Among the dead were 21 women, some of whom were pregnant, and 15 fucking children. Jeez. 
Worst of all, investigations into this cowardly act seem to implicate the government itself. Soldiers garrisoned nearby did not intervene, despite being within earshot of the gunfire and horrified screams. In addition, there was evidence of the crime scene being tampered with by local police and government officials. Though some people have been convicted, there are suspicions that they were framed and that the real culprits remain at large. He Okay, so he tells me this shit all the time. He has over the years of how corrupt everything is over there. Oh, that's all he talks about every time I talk to I him. I know, and it's like, I hear about all these people that like go on vacation, and, and you know, obviously the vacation resorts are probably safe. They tell you not to go off the path, but right. I, I would not go there. Like, after all the shit that Davey has told me over the years, it's just like, there's so much fucked up corrupt shit that goes on there, and everybody's in everybody's pocket. Like, there's no... Like, the president... Isn't the president, like, super fucking corrupt and shit? Yeah. Not that ours isn't. I'm just saying, like... like But they're 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 blatantly out there. You know what I mean? Like, they they just don't give a fuck. Yeah. Ugh. So, it was the night before Christmas when all through the house, not a creature was stirring except the Soviet Union. <laughs> the Marxist, Leninist, Kalk, and Parchum parties had ousted the Afghan president in April of 1978. Still, communism was so unpopular in Afghanistan that the uh, Mujahideen succeeded in toppling them just over a year later. So, Kalk and Parchum turned to the Soviet Union for help. And on Christmas Eve that year, they obliged by sending 30,000 troops across the border into Afghanistan by the cover of darkness. Bloody fighting ensued, and soon the Soviet Union had control of the major cities. The Soviets stayed for nine years, at which time the Mujahideen, backed by foreign support and weapons, waged a brutal guerrilla campaign against the invaders. In turn, captured Mujahideen were executed, and entire villages and agricultural areas were razed to the ground, you know, destroyed. Um, when the Soviets finally withdrew in February 1989, over 1 million civilians and almost 125,000 soldiers from both sides were killed. That's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. From the turmoil after the Afghan-Soviet war emerged, the Taliban, mm-hmm, installing the neighboring, neighboring Pakistan, and with them, Osama bin Laden. This indeed was a black Christmas for all of us. So that's where oh, oh, the, the, all of that came from. It came from that war. That whole thing that went down is what brought all of that shit together. Talk about carrying a grudge for a long time. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how about another race riot? Yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. Hey. That the gifts keep coming, guys. Yeah. Well, here you go. Although this one may be uh, even more fucked up. Oh, boy. Yeah. The Agana race riot saw black and white U.S. Marines fight it out from Christmas Eve to Boxing Day of 1944. That's right. U.S. Marines. Guam was a host of both black and white U.S. Marines in 1944. But instead of fighting the enemy, the white troops elected to turn on all black Marine 25th Depot Company. What year was this? Uh, 1944. 44, okay. Mm. First, the white Marines would stop their fellow soldiers from entering Agana, pelt them with rocks, and shout racist obscenities at them. (laughs) Of course they would. Then on Christmas Eve 1944, nine members of the 25th on official leave were seen talking to a local woman woman sorry and white marines opened fire on them then on christmas day two black soldiers were shot dead by drunken white marines on separate incidences incidents incident i don't even know how that word whatever guam's white marines were decidedly short on festive cheer and goodwill to all men not content with these murders a white mob attacked an african-american depot on boxing day and a white soldier sustained an injury when the 25th returned fire Sick of their treatment by their fellow soldiers, 40 black Marines gave chase to the retreating mob, mob in a Jeep. But further violence was prevented by a roadblock. Can you guess what happened next? 
Uh, they all hugged and went home. Okay. <laughs> Jeff? I'm going to say grenade. Okay. Uh, no. The black soldiers were all charged with unlawfully as- unlawful assembly, rioting, and attempted murder while the white soldiers were left to nurse their aching heads. Wow. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that actually happened. On Christmas. See, listen, if anything, this should make you guys feel better about Christmas at your house. Yeah. Because shit happens everywhere. And so when you're like, man, I'm so stressed out, I got to go. Like Jeff today was bitching about having to go. (laughs) I know. There's so many different places to go in one day. And you're like, oh, God, I fucking hate this. This this? right here makes you realize it could be worse. Or like, you know, when you open that box up and you're hoping for that PlayStation 5 and of course it's all sold out everywhere. And so you're, you're really getting like a Nintendo switch. Oh, sweet. And you're not even that you're just getting fuck this world. Fuck this life. You can think about this stuff instead. Getting an (laughs) Etch-A-Sketch. All right. So one more major one for you guys, and then we'll leave on a happier note. Yes, we do have a happier note coming. So this one's kind of rough though. So I apologize in advance. In late December 2008 into January of 2009, the Lord's Resistance Army, the LRA, brutally killed more than 865 civilians and abducted at least 160 children in the Northern Democratic Republic of Congo, the DRC. The LRA combatants hacked their victims to death with machetes or axes or crushed their skulls with clubs and heavy sticks. Machete. Yes. In some of the places where they attacked, few were left alive. The worst attacks happened 48 hours over Christmas in locations some 160 miles apart in the Daruma Doru and Faraje areas of the Hot Ule. Ah, I'm gonna fuck that up. Hot Ule district of northern Congo. The LRA waited until the time of Christmas festivities on December 24th and 25th to carry out their devastating attacks, apparently choosing a moment when they would find the maximum number of people together. The killings occurred in the Congo in parts of southern Sudan, where similar weapons and tactics were used. The Christmas massacres in Congo are part of a long-standing practice of horrific atrocities and abuse by the LRA. Before shifting its operations to the Congo in 2006, the LRA, LRA was based in Uganda and southern Sudan, where LRA combatants also killed, raped, and abducted thousands of civilians. When the LRA moved to Congo, its combatants initially refrained from the targeting Congolese people, Still in September 2008, the LRA began its first wave of attacks, apparently to punish local communities who had helped LRA defectors to escape. Of course, that's typically what they do. The first wave of attacks in September, together with the Christmas massacres, has led to the deaths of over 1,033 civilians and the abduction of at least 476 children. Jesus. Yeah. LRA killings have not stopped since the Christmas massacres. Human Rights Watch receives regular reports of murders and abductions by the LRA, keeping civilians living in terror. According to the United Nations, over 140,000 people have fled their homes since late December 2008 to seek safety elsewhere. So this is still going on. New attacks and the flight of civilians are reported weekly. People are frightened to gather together in some areas, believing that the LRA may choose these moments to strike, as they did with such devastating efficiency over Christmas. Even by LRA standards, the Christmas massacres in the Congo were ruthless. LRA combatants struck quickly and quietly, surrounding their victims as they ate their Christmas meal in Batanda Village or gathered for a Christmas Day concert in Faraje. It's fucked. Yeah. That is fucked. In Mabando Village, the LRA sought to maximize the death toll by luring their victims to a central place, playing the radio, and forcing their victims to sing songs and call for others to come join the party. 
In most attacks, they tied up their victims, stripped them of their clothes, raped the women and girls, and then killed their victims by crushing their skulls. In two cases, the attackers tried to kill three-year-old toddlers by twisting off their heads. Holy fuck. The few villagers who survived often did so because their assailants thought they were dead. So yeah, there's that. Merry Christmas. Yes. Yeah. When you get a pair of socks. Yeah. For yeah. So if you get those socks. Yeah. Just calm the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. So that's all I'm going to be thinking about now. Ooh. I'm going to be sitting there at Christmas with my family. Just like, you know, like. Man, they were twisting little kids' heads off. Right, exactly. Fuck? Good to see you, Mom. Mashed <laughs> <laughs> potatoes are fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, ah, so listen, yes, we can go way deeper into that. It's fucked up. The, this world is fucked up. Please, please, please appreciate the good people in your lives and the good shit that happens to you and the fact that you have the, the opportunity to listen to our stupid asses, uh, especially for Christmas and whatnot. So I'm going to leave you and you guys with a story that is pretty bizarre when you stop to think about it, but it's pretty fucking awesome. How bizarre. How bizarre. <laughs> All right. So this is the story of the Christmas truce. Okay. British machine gunner Bruce uh, Barron's father, later a prominent cartoonist, wrote about it in his memoirs. Like most of his fellow infantrymen of the 1st Battalion of the Royal Warwickshire Regiment, he was spending the holiday eve shivering in the muck trying to keep warm. He had spent a good part of the past few months fighting the Germans. And now, in part of Belgium, called uh, Bois de Blockstirt, he was crouched in a trench that stretched just three feet deep by three feet wide. His days and nights marked by an endless cycle of sleeplessness and fear, stale biscuits and cigarettes, too wet to light. This is wartime. Okay. Quote, Here I was in this horrible clay cavity, Barnes' father wrote, miles and miles from home, cold, wet, through, uh, wet through and covered with mud. There didn't seem the slightest chance of leaving except in an ambulance. At about 10 p.m., Barron's father noticed a noise. Quote, I listened, he recalled. Quote, away across the field, among the dark shadows beyond, I could hear the murmur of voices. He turned to a fellow soldier in his trench and said, Do you hear the botches, uh, the Germans, kicking up that racket over there? Yes, came the reply. They've been at it some time. The Germans were singing carols as it was Christmas Eve. In the darkness, some of the British soldiers began to sing back. Do, do horse, do horse, Santa Claus. <laughs> Quote, suddenly, Baron's father recalled, we heard a confused shouting from the other side. We all stopped to listen. The shout came again. The voice was from an enemy soldier speaking in English with a strong German accent. He was saying, come over here. One of the British, British sergeants answered, quote, you come halfway, I come halfway. Smart. In the years to come, what happened next would stun the world and make history. Enemy soldiers began to climb nervously out of their trenches and meet in the barbed wire-filled no-man's land that separated the armies. Typically, the British and Germans communicated across no-man's land with streaking bullets, with only occasional gentlemanly allowances to collect the dead unmolested. But now, there were handshakes and words of kindness. The soldiers traded songs, tobacco, and wine, joining in a spontaneous holiday party in the cold night. Baron's father could not believe his eyes. Quote, here they are. Here they were, the actual practical soldiers of the German army. There was not an atom of hate on either side. And when it wasn't, and it wasn't confined to that one battlefield. Starting on Christmas Eve, small pockets of French, German, Belgian, and British troops held impromptu ceasefires across the Western Front, with reports of some on the Eastern Front as well. 
Some accounts suggest a few of these unofficial truces remain in effect for days. Descriptions of the Christmas truce appear in numerous diaries and letters of the time. One British soldier, a rifleman named Jay Reading, wrote a letter home to his wife describing his holiday experience in 1914. Quote, My company happened to be in the firing line on Christmas Eve, and it was my turn, to go into a ruined house and remain there until 6.30 on Christmas morning. During the early part of the morning, the Germans started singing and shouting, all in good English. They shouted out, Are you the rifle brigade? Have you a spare bottle? If so, we will come halfway and you come the other half. Quote, later on in the day, they came towards us, Reading described, and our chaps went out to meet them. I shook hands with them, with some of them, and they gave us cigarettes and cigars. We did not fire that day, and everything was so quiet, it seemed like a dream. Another British soldier named John Ferguson recalled it this way. Quote, here we are laughing and chatting to men whom only a few hours before we were trying to kill. Other diaries and letters describe German soldiers using candles to light Christmas trees around their trenches. One German infantryman described how a British soldier set up a makeshift barber shop, charging Germans a few cigarettes each for a haircut. Other accounts describe vivid scenes of men helping enemy soldiers collect their dead, of which there was plenty. One British fighter named Ernie Williams later described in an interview his recollection of some makeshift soccer play on what turned out to be an icy pitch. Quote, the ball appeared from somewhere. I don't know where. They made up some goals and one fellow went into goal and then it was just a general kickabout. I should think there were about a couple of hundred taking part. Awesome. So here they are in the midst of war. It's Christmas. Crazy. They all start fucking drinking. Hey, you come over here. No, you come over here. Let's meet halfway. The Germans are like, if you want to be my lover, <laughs> got to get with my friend. Then they start playing soccer and <laughs> yeah. shit. It, it, it's just amazing. Are so, you on the Twitter? I'm on the Twitter. Let's be friends. Friend request me. You see, that's the that's the fucked up part about that whole situation is though, war stopped that day, basically. Right. Absolutely. Because it stopped. The different sides were like, you know what? We all share this one thing in common. Let's unite for this one day. Why the fuck couldn't we continue that? Because none of them wanted to be there. They were just doing what they were told to do. That's my point. Well, th- that's that's what you sign so up for. Everybody that out there, just stop doing what you're told to do. <laughs> no, I, that. Well, no. <laughs> yeah. So German Lieutenant Kurt Zimisch, uh, Zimisch, sorry, of the 134 Saxons Infantry, a school teacher who spoke both English and German, described a pickup soccer game in his diary, which he discovered in an attic near Leipzig in 1999, written in an archaic German form of shorthand. Quote, Eventually, the English brought a soccer ball from their trenches, and pretty soon, a lively game ensued, he wrote. How marvelously wonderful, yet how strange it was. The English officers felt the same way about it. Uh, felt the same way about it. Thus, Christmas, the celebration of love, managed to bring mortal enemies together as friends for a time. How cool is that? Do you think if Riley was there playing the soccer game, he'd be all aggressive and like... Oh, yeah. He would have got shot. Everybody. He would have got shot for sure. <laughs> You're right. He would have kicked the ball. Yeah. He would have grabbed it with his hands. You fucking idiot. Yeah. You don't grab it with your fault. Yellow card. Yellow card. And the worst part is he knows how to speak German, so it'd be all curse oh, words. No. Right? He'd be like... Exactly. Because the ball. Exactly. Rooting Christmas, Riley. Riley would have made the war worse. Riley would have continued the war. So, so much more can be said about this event, but that seems like an excellent place to leave off this Christmas episode. And yes, when you really stop to think about it, that's a pretty crazy yet fantastic thing. And it shows what people can do. Yeah, we need more of that. You know what I mean? Stop being told what they're told to do. 
That will not necessarily. Well, listen, it comes down to the fact that we're all people. Yeah. And just like we were talking about earlier, all this race shit and stuff like Why that. We we're all fucking people. Friends. You know what I mean? It, listen, if someone's an asshole, get away from it. Wait, wait. You don't have to engage. We are the world. We're, we're fucking <laughs> We are the children. <laughs> we are the world. <laughs> we bring about a day. So let's all live in. Who was that? Was Joe that like, Cocker. Okay. Joe Wasn't Cocker. that the singer from Skid Row in there too, though? Or was it Bon Jovi? I think I think Bon Jovi he was, was like in the, doing the Finch, yeah. the the clinch fist, yeah, the clinch yeah. fist, in the, 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 the flinch, clinch, flinch, clinch. Guess what? <laughs> and now, boys and girls, it's your favorite part of the show, the movie review. Which top ten movies will make the cut today? My dear brothers and sisters, we gather together to celebrate the end. Our ancestors predicted that on this date, the end of the world was going to happen. So, everyone grab your hands, close your eyes, because the end will happen in five Four, three, two, one. Oh my, I, I guess it, it, it was a false alarm. Oh well, we will try in 100 years. Uh, Hello, ladies and cabrones. This is your friend, David Debato. And on this week's top 10 movies, we bring you the 10 greatest disaster movies of all time. Earthquakes, tsunamis, pandemic, meteors hitting our planet, alien attacks. I mean, we have seen humankind in danger in Hollywood movies over and over. And on this episode, we will talk about the 10 best ever made. So, that being said, here we go. Number 10. The Perfect Storm. Based on a true story, the film tells of the brave men and women who risk their lives every working day, testing their fishing boats and rescue vessels against the forces of nature. Their worst fears are realized at sea on Halloween of 1991 when they are confronted by three raging weather fronts which unexpectedly collide to produce the greatest, fiercest storm in modern history. The perfect storm. Number 9 Contagion When Beth Emhoff returns to Minnesota from a Hong Kong business trip, she attributes the sickness she feels to jet lag. Two days later, Beth is dead, and doctors tell her shocked husband that they have no idea what killed her. Soon, many others start to exhibit the same symptoms, and the global pandemic explodes. Doctors try to contain the little virus, but society begins to collapse as a blogger spreads the flames of paranoia. Number 8 2012 
In 2009, an American geologist visits his astrophysicist friend in India and learns that an exotic new type of neutrinos from a huge solar flare are hitting the Earth's core. In Washington, D.C., he presents this information to White House Chief of Staff, who brings him to meet the U.S. President. In 2010, world leaders begin a secret project to ensure humanity's survival. In 2012, a science fiction writer and limousine driver for a Russian billionaire goes on a camping trip with his kids to Yellowstone National Park. When they enter an area fenced off by the United States Army, they are caught and taken to the base. And while being interrogated, the geologist who happened to be at the base recognizes the writer and tells him he has read his books. And then they are released. Then they meet conspiracy theorist Charlie Frost who hosts a radio show from the park about the end of the world and tells him all he knows. And soon, a massive earthquake hits and all hell is loose and they fight to survive and get to safety. Number seven, Armageddon. After a massive meteor shower destroys the space shuttle Atlantis, NASA scientists discovered they have 18 days before an asteroid the size of Texas impacts Earth, destroying all planetary life. NASA executive Dan Truman leads a team which devises a plan to have the world's best deep core oil driller train a group of astronauts to drill a hole into the asteroid, into which they will insert and detonate a nuclear bomb to try to split the asteroid in half in an attempt to make it miss the Earth and save humankind. Number six, Dante's Peak. Volcanologist Harry Dalton and Major Rachel Wando finally convinced the unbelieving people of their town that the volcano in the area is going to go active anytime soon and that they need to evacuate immediately. They discover her two children have gone up the mountain to get their grandmother. With Earth's clock racing against them, they must rescue the kids and grandma before the volcano explodes in a fury of flame and ash a million times more powerful than an atomic bomb. Number 5 Outbreak A dangerous airborne virus threatens civilization in this tense thriller. After an African monkey carrying a little virus is smuggled into the U.S., an outbreak occurs in a California town. To control the spread of the disease, a team of doctors is brought in that includes a contagious disease expert and his ex-wife. Once the army intervenes to handle the situation, the doctors must fight against the clock to save the town and its residents. Number four, Deep Impact. In May 1998, an amateur astronomer, Leo Biederman, observes an unidentified object in the night sky. He sends the picture to astronomer Dr. Marcus Wolf, who realizes it is a comet on collision course with Earth. The comet, now named Wolf Biederman, 
is on course to impact the Earth in roughly one year and could cause humanity's extinction. The United States and Russia have been constructing a spacecraft to transport a team to alter the comet's path with the use of nuclear bombs. The mission is partially successful when they actually split the comet in half, making one of the half miss the Earth, but the other one is going to hit it. Number three, Independence Day. In this epic adventure, an alien invasion takes place and terror races through the world's major cities. As these extraordinary events unfold, it becomes clear that a force of incredible magnitude has arrived. Its mission, total annihilation of humankind, all happening over the 4th of July's weekend. The last hope to stop the destruction is an unlikely group of people united by fate and unexpected circumstances. Number 2 Twister During the approach of the most powerful storm in decades, university professor Dr. Joe Harding and an underfunded team of students prepared to use a prototype of a tornado data gathering device, an artifact invented by her and her ex-husband Bill. When Harding tells Bill that the prototype is ready for testing and that their rival Dr. Jonas Miller has stolen the idea and built his own prototype, Bill rejoins the team for one last mission. Number 1 The Day After Tomorrow After climatologist Chuck Hall is ignored by UN officials when presenting his environmental concerns, his research proves true when an enormous superstorm develops, setting off catastrophic natural disasters throughout the world. Trying to get to his son, Sam, who is trapped in New York with his friend Laura and others, Jack and his crew must travel by foot from Philadelphia braving the elements to get to Sam before it's too late. And there you go, passengers. I hope you liked this week's top 10 list. Don't forget to tune in next week for a new episode in the Midnight Train Podcast. 10 seconds. This is David Abato, and I wish you all a Merry Christmas. Hasta luego, cabrones. What was that, Jeff? <laughs> 10 seconds. 10 seconds left. Until what? You Just wanted to let you know. <laughs> so, you, so you can unmute the microphones, but apparently you did it beforehand. So Merry Christmas to me. Uh, and Merry Christmas to Davey the Vato out there with our top 10 movies for the week. Dude, I like the, the farting shaman. Yeah, that that's oh, so funny. What a goof. <laughs> what a goof. Here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> so listen. Really hope you enjoyed our Christmas episode. Um, definitely a darker kind of uh, thing. You know, what do you guys think? Well, I mean, <laughs> Christmas ain't so bad after all, hey? <laughs> I guess I don't, that's what it comes down to. And what about it's you, Logan? Logan? It could always be worse. Um, I, I still fucking hate the holidays. Even this makes it just, just solidifies my point that the holidays just suck. We always. 
Yeah, it's it, it was, but it, it's just crazy to me that the, um, most of those things I'd never heard of before. Yeah, me either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like such a. I knew of the, the like the one from the Impossible movie that the tsunami. Yeah, I knew about that one, but that's it. Yeah, just yeah, because of the movie and that fucking shitty Ku Klux Klan was formed right around Christmas. Well, they're fucking idiots. So. so listen, join us next week. All right, so this is going to be dropping. What the hell just happened there? Is it, oh, I was like, what? It's the computer. It blew up. <laughs> so next week, we're, we're going to be talking about the Jeff Davis 8, or sometimes called the Jennings 8. This is actually a fan request and a listener request, passenger request. And it's a uh, series of unsolved murders in Jefferson Davis Parish in Louisiana. Louisiana. That's right. Louisiana. Down there by you. You know what I'm saying? On my screen. Yeah, hey, uh, oil hey. on my screen. Hey, I'm going to make it. You remember that time about Boo Boo Shave with the football? Remember that time? Oh my God, I think we found his voice. Hey, oh, hey. is that. Is, does Logan have a voice now? Yes. A hey. character? Well, yeah. what was, what's a Louisiana name? Uh, like a uh, really good one. Um, I don't know. Remember my mama overcoming it. <laughs> yes, uh, I knew you had a character in you. Uh, like, there, I knew it. It. there it is. We found it. I mean, it could be worse. I mean, I could just sound like fucking Whitey the whole time. Let's call him Louis Louisiana. Louis Louisiana. Louis. Yeah, Louis Louisiana. Yeah, there Louis. You go. I like it. Hey man, my name ain't Louis. <laughs> he, he can report in from time to time. Yeah, we like that. So yeah, join us here for that. And listen, we're going to be doing an awesome Christmas bonus episode for you guys. Oh yeah, you don't want to miss. And this it's going to be so good. So sign up over at Patreon.com forward slash the Midnight Train Podcast. You know. And you poopers out there, you know how we do. Yeah, they're getting presents. So we give presents to the listeners. That's right. And now the poopers are getting stockings. That's right. Stocking get, stuffers. Good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Like you you guys got like, you know, the essentials like soap and toothpaste and, you know, socks. But the poopers. What kind of soap would be in there, by the way? Um, That would be Dr. Squatch uh-huh. soap. That's right. You know why? Because Dr. Squatch is changing the way men approach hygiene by providing all natural, high quality, healthy products like bar soaps, hair care, colognes, beard oils, and more that make you feel like a man and smell like a champion. Ladies use it too. All right. And listen, it is that time of the year where you need a stocking stuffer and you want your man to smell good or maybe you just like the smell of some good shit. <laughs> maybe they don't. Ladies. <laughs> I mean, you might want to smell like shit. That's fine. Keep maybe they want soap. to smell like they've been in the woods hunting Sasquatch for weeks. Then you need Dr. Squatch. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the only thing that will take care of that odor. Yeah, but it's just, they have so many awesome fragrance. Like, dude, I'm telling you, it's the literally the best soap. And I'm, the reason that I even talk about it is because I use it every day. I want to try the Star Wars stuff because you know how much of a Star Wars guy Yeah, I am. it's awesome. It's awesome. It lathers up great. It's just, it's a good, solid, it's just great. Like, I almost just, want to get a bar and put it in my case with all my figures and shit. Just yeah, be that's careful. It's a collectible. Well, just, the, the, it's a four bar thing that comes oh, in a collectible thing. Oh, yeah. That. If they still have it, they may not have it available. But if you want to subscribe, all you have to do is go over to the midnighttrainpodcast.com forward slash sponsors or just go there and click on the sponsors button and use DSC Squatch 20 to get 20% off your first subscription. It is Christmas time. It's a perfect gift. And it's awesome. It's great for a gift exchange, too. Like, if you're in one of those, uh, what they call it, the Yankee Swap or whatever, where you have, like, a limit, you know, and you buy a present, and then they play games, and you get whatever present you get. Oh, okay. That's a great one to have in there. Yeah, it, But it's just, it's going to change your life, man, I'm telling you. Like, I never thought soap would change my life, but it does. God, I love it so much. I take a shower, and I'm just like, God, this is so good. So fresh and so clean. It just clean. smells amazing. It just lathers up. It's got the, you know, because I get the uh, the stuff with the, uh, like, uh, the scrubbies in it. Yeah. And so when I'm scrubbing myself down, and I work in a kitchen, kitchen all day long, so it's just beautiful. Hey, Louie, what do you think about the soap? 
Beautiful. Okay, good, good. Thank you. Do us a favor and stop over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now and give us a five-star review. And while you're there, like, follow, subscribe, or whatever the hell you can do there. And you'll then get each episode as they are released. And listeners keep asking how they can keep the steam in our engines. Well, if you like what you hear from us, the simplest, most amazing thing you could do is just share the midnight train to everybody. Just let everyone know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just let everyone Bring know. Bring them into the circle. Right. Can you get any higher with that voice? Let everybody know. Everything you got. Is that better? Yeah, it was good. Nice. And if you like what you hear from us and you want to be a producer of the show and become an amazing pooper, like some beautiful people we're going to mention here in a few, um, go to the Midnight Train Podcast.com. Click on the Patreon button or just go to patreon.com forward slash the Midnight Train Podcast. You can't find us on there unless you put the actual URL in because we are adult content and they have some weird thing about that. And for five bucks a month, literally $5 a month, you get freaking a bonus every week. And the bonuses are so much fun. They're getting good, man. Like, They're just a blast. Yeah, we're we we <laughs> we're going off the cuff, man. We're like we're telling stories. It's it's just like sitting in a room and hanging out with us, and we're going over these fucked up stories, sad stories, funny stories, happy story. I mean, it's it's. And I'm gonna make sure they get more and more fucked up as we do. I found yeah. I found a story that I want to do, and we won't. We're not gonna do it this uh, for Christmas. We'll do it the next bonus episode. Okay. There is an Italian woman serial killer that literally killed people and turned them into soap and i'd never heard about it oh shit it's fucking crazy and we're totally gonna do that one like i have it all written what out was everything soap else. and fight club uh what do you mean didn't you they make soap and fight club hey, in that movie? there's a lot of fat wait, wait we don't oh, talk okay. about we don't talk about fight club right? yeah yeah first i'm yeah. sorry louis yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So listen, more importantly, share it, please. Let everyone know about it. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You name it, we are out there. And all you got to do is just look up the Midnight Train Podcast. We cannot thank you enough for all of the support. Seriously, you guys are great. And I just want to say thank you and a very, very, very Merry Christmas to our amazing Patreon poopers. <laughs> To Nathan Diekman, Hank Sanchez, uh, Stacey Laconan, Nicholas Cooper, Caitlin McKinney, Trent Scott, John and Kate Desarnay, Spencer Dunlap, Jacob Cook, Maggie Brothers, Albert Lopez, Miles Campbell, Brian Gunsman, Margaret Atkins, Colleen Cox, Pumpkin Escobar, Mac Doherty, Turner Cox, Sydney Sayer, Gina Madison, Janet Sherrill, Laura Randall, Chad Flint, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb from the Fun Box Podcast. Make sure you're checking them out. Christina Scott. By the way, um, Rob is looking for a co-host. So if any of you guys out there is uh, you know, want to do a co-host for a podcast or whatever, Rob. Oh, that's a good one to get. And if you're in the area or whatever, Rob is looking for somebody. So uh, would it be a conflict of interest if I uh, partake? Yes. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> to Christina Skeleton and Jessica Bartolome from the Sisters Skeleton Podcast. Sisters Make sure you're checking out the Sister Skeleton. And if you're podcast. not familiar, guys, this is where the Jersey Raccoon stems from. That's two. right. Those are our girls. So make sure you, wielding. Yeah, you make sure you check them out. And Maria Gibbs, Chainsaw. What the fuck? <laughs> Wait, I actually have that one. It's right here. What the fuck? Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting I have that. <laughs> Jigsaw, Rick Resler, Courtney Bachelor, Katie Brabinick, and our boy, Bill Birch. 
<laughs> yes, I was totally waiting for it. <laughs> Jesus, the show's just coming apart at the seams. Sounds like 96.5, yeah. dude. <laughs> listen, spread the word. Let people know you listen to this show. And if they were like, oh, dude, I can't get past whatever, you look them straight in the eye and go, fuck you. You say, what did five fingers say to the face? <laughs> Slap. That's right. <laughs> no, anyway, get people into it. And if they don't like it, that's fine. It just means you're cooler than they are. Yeah, exactly. All right. Don't fuck off. Listen, have a safe and amazing holiday. We will be back next week with an episode for you. It's going to be a little bit darker. Not that this one wasn't because holy shit, Moody <laughs> was not expecting this. Can I put a request out? Ooh, what is the request? So I want all the passengers out there that are part of the Facebook group. Okay. And I, I'll see, I'll either see this through my wife's account or through yours, but I want you to post a picture of the favorite gift you get this year. Yeah. Okay. You don't by the way, your stickers are it. coming. Your stickers are coming, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. But you don't have to explain it. Just do a little snapshot and, and upload it. Maybe we'll do like a post that everybody can post on. But I want to see what everybody got this year. Yeah. I want to see. And yeah, don't put a, a picture of COVID because we don't want to know if you got it for Christmas. And listen, the bonus is going to be dropping on Christmas for you guys. And it's only for the poopers. So you got to sign up if you want to listen to the bonus on Christmas Day. It's going to be hectic. You guys are going to be getting ready for Christmas shit, opening presents. And or the fucking, long drive to the families. Yeah. You listen in the car. Your kid's getting pissed off because they didn't get the right thing they wanted. Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're, 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 trust me, you're going to want to listen to this episode because it's going to get you in a better place. All right? Yeah. And in the meantime, listen, stay safe out there. Merry Christmas, you beautiful passengers. And as always... Choo choo, motherfucker! Now go home and get your shine box. Now go home and get your fucking shine box. <laughs> <laughs>